And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Here they're terrific. Woo! Hold the Raven. Nevermore. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. Look at the size of the giant. Beat me if you can survive. If I let you. You will rest in peace. Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! Welcome everyone to Get Back to the Wrestling, live on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. That's This is not Vince McMahon, this is your co-host, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. Thank you everyone for downloading and listening to the show today. Allow me at this time to introduce my co-host, weighing in at a rough, tough, buff, ripped, chiseled, and jacked, 178 pounds, the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. Oh boy, you're way all on the weight there. <laughs> <laughs> and our other co-host, the man who, as of last night, took such liberties with your mother so as to be legally considered your father in 17 states, Double J, J. Giaconetti. Squeeze the lemons the juice runs down my leg. Hurtner. Gertner. Gertner. Uh, shout out to Joel Gertner. Joel Gertner. Yeah, uh, the classic, classic ECW announcer, Joel Gertner, personal uh, announcer for the Dudley Boys for many years. But as you gathered from that, this is episode two of Get Back to the Wrestling. Finally, someplace on the internet to talk about professional wrestling. <laughs> and uh, today we've got an interesting topic, one that kind of came to me uh, just kind of out of the blue. We're going to be talking uh, about finishers, about finishing moves. Uh, it used to be that there wasn't such a thing, but now you need a finisher if you want to get over in this business. In this business, if you can't take a forearm to the face, you're in the wrong business. But before we get to that, I'm the top guy. No, brother, I'm the top guy. Before we get to that, uh, after uh, after our last episode where we talked about the greatest wrestlers of all time never to hold the big belt in uh, any promotion, uh, we got some, some feedback. So we got a couple of emails that we're going to read here. Our first comes from David McIntosh. 
And uh, Dave uh, says, uh, first off, great podcast. Okay, we're done. Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, nothing more to be said, uh, but there is more, so we'll carry on. It says, first off, great podcast. I sent off to request to join the Facebook page, and hopefully we actually did uh, did join the Facebook page there. But I thought I would send these points off before I forget. Number one, you mentioned Rick Martell not having another singles title run after his AWA title, but he had a run as WCW TV champion after his WWF run, and that is 100% correct, and I totally blanked on that, because I, after I read this email, I remembered him being TV champion. He was trading it around. Yeah. Uh, they were feuding it in a little program. Then he got hurt, and so they never really got to quite finish that program out. Mm. Yeah, no, that, was yeah, yeah. that was like around 2000 or so when Rick Martel popped back up in WCW. That was kind of in the, um, you know, the... The, the wild space era of WCW where who knows what was going on week to week sometimes. <laughs> it was, that, show. That, that was like, hey, it's Monday, let's reboot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh. uh, and then David continues, number two, how could you leave out Tully Blanchard, Wahoo McDaniel, Austin Idol, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy? Uh, all those and guys made my list originally. They, I was going to say, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the answer to that is otherwise you'd still be listening to the show now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My list, I mean, all, all all good, all good names right there for my, sure. My list had to be sixty names long before I made the first round of cuts, and then I had to make a second round of cuts. I had to cut that thing. I had it to twenty five names when we started the show. It was a lot of cuts I had to make. I had all those guys. <laughs> so, I mean, all, all good ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Austin Idol is you never you never really think you never. He's one of those guys that always for me always kind of slips my mind. Mm. But then you're like Austin Idol, yeah, you know, and uh, definitely Terry Gordy and Tully Blanchard and. Wahoo, you know, Wahoo was one of those guys that I, I'm still surprised he never held the, the, you know, one of those belts at some point. But, uh. Well, no, he never, he, he never had to because. Never had to, exactly. He, he yeah, okay. Who was Wahoo really good friends with? Ric Flair. And he was friends, <laughs> with, and friends with Harley Race. So who did he work programs with? Ric Flair, Harley Race. Like he made main event money, but didn't have to be the champion. So he was able to stay yeah. in a territory and be home at night. You know, or every couple of days, whatever, and not have to go all around the country. So, but you got to remember, Wahoo McDaniel played pro football too. So, yeah. uh, he was a little late to the game. I mean, Ernie Ladd blatantly was playing. He was, he was a, you know, he was an all, um, he was an all pro defensive end and then was doing wrestling in the offseason. Wahoo McDaniel played for the Jets. He was a huge star, but yeah. And he wrestled in the WWF back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, he wrestled in the time when there were Bruno and, and, and Pedro Morales and those guys at the end of the, at the end there. That's when he was starting to break in. And yeah, I think he falls in the, in the blackjack mulligan category. You know what I'm saying? Another yeah, guy who was good right. friends with Ric Flair and guys like that. So, uh, yeah. But, so. uh, not, and, that, mm -hmm. and, uh, David, thank you very much for writing in. Very good email. Yeah. Please, uh, let us know what you think about this episode by the time, um, we get finished with this. And our, our other email. Is comes in from Robert Ludwig, friend of the Two True Freaks uh, Network. Hey, Bob. And uh, uh, listener to uh, Earth Destruction Directive, for sure. And Robert's uh, subject is best wrestler not to hold a world championship singles. Uh, he says, hi, guys. I just finished listening to your first episode. As I was listening, I was putting together a list in my head, mainly because I was commuting to and from work while listening. <laughs> Almost all of the people I thought of were on the list. However, there was one that I felt was left off. Lance Storm. He was a multiple-time tag team champion in ECW and WWE, won many singles belts, but never the big one. One of the biggest reasons I think he deserves to be on the list is at one point in WCW, Lance held 
three singles titles at the same time. The Hardcore Championship, renamed the Saskatchewan Hardcore International title, the SHIT. <laughs> the United States Heavyweight Championship, renamed the Canadian Heavyweight Championship. And the Cruiserweight Championship, renamed the 100-kilogram and under championship. He even wrestled for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship but lost. On top of being the only person in WCW to ever hold three titles simultaneously, he was a tremendous worker and a great Mac technician, being able to make almost anyone working with him have a good to great match. Um, and he just finishes up, well, I probably should have put down more. Hopefully this drugs your memory on this top talent. Keep up with giving out great podcasts. Thank you, Robert Ludwig, Nevada, Iowa. Um, hell yeah, Lance Storm. <laughs> and you know what? You know what always always bothered me about Lance Storm is you got one of the most talented guys in the business is in your company. And the only gimmick you come up for him is that he's boring. How is that going to get, I'm serious. How do you expect, even as a heel, how do you expect somebody to get over when you go out week in and week out and say, this guy's boring. How is that supposed to get over even as a heel? How's that supposed to get any heat? (laughs) I mean, especially when you had guys who actually are boring go out there and they don't get heat. So uh, I think I think Lance Storm's main issue and anything else is, um, uh, again, knowing Storm from his days uh, in Smoky Mountain, where him and Chris Jericho were the thrill seekers. Uh, if, if you had said to me, who's going to be the world champion out of that group, the guy who broke his arm moonsaulting onto nothing before their debut match, or the guy who can actually wrestle, hey, Chris Jericho, first unified heavyweight champion. Take nothing away um, from one of the yes. legends, Chris Jericho. It's good. Chris Jericho's new book is coming out in August. He's catching up to Mick Foley. Uh, for for uh, how many biographies you can put out in, in your lifetime. So anyway, when, it, when your biographies are just road stories, I mean, yeah. You know, but anyway, well, anyway, not anyway. Anyway, just poking fun at Jericho. He's, okay, he's not listening. He's got a podcast of his own to worry about. Anyway, so uh, the thing with Lance Storm, and this is one of the things we always found we, when we saw him in ECW, and he was part of that in the, the triple. Players. Well, he he was also part of the triple threat member. Yeah, where he was mm-hmm. not really a member, but he was there. That stuff was interesting at first because it was like kind of implied that he was fucking Tammy, but he might have been the only one who wasn't fucking Tammy, uh, which, right. is, which is funny. Uh, and then like there was the, him as an in, the impact players was awesome. But I'm saying, oh, it's, yeah, I think we saw kind of the problem there. He was always really, really good, but he, they never gave him a chance in the mic because I don't know how much his mic skills were there or not there or whatever. And I'm just saying is as part of the impact players. You always, he always had someone to talk for him. He always had someone out there who could talk with him. Uh, I just, as a standalone, I just don't know if that worked. Even part of the Team Canada gimmick in WCW. I was going to say that that's the era that that Robert's talking about. He got to, he got to talk quite a lot because he was the mouthpiece yeah. of Team Canada. So he was the only one that ever really talked. Right, but I'm saying, but he just crew. wasn't as dynamic. You think about that. Right. Well, when they, when they go out there and they tell you to be boring. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, I, and I agree. Look, I'm saying this, but at, at that time, uh, you know, wrestling talent aside. It was very hard with some of the guys who were just uh, on, on the mic. You know, I mean, whether you like Michaels or not, I mean, he can get on the mic and he can start going. You know, The Rock, Steve Austin, those guys. It's hard for a guy like Lance Storm to be able to, uh, you know, go toe to toe with The Rock or you know Steve Austin kind of thing verbally uh, in the ring. He has, but he's better than probably 90 percent of the guys who wrestled that era. So. Yeah, it's another one. Again, another thing too is I think uh, with Stampede because he he was I mean Stampede was kind of di- you know it was it had died off and he was at the very end of that whole thing, but he was there. Stampede wasn't the powerhouse it used to be when you know like when Hart had come out of there and um, you know Dynamite and whatever. Um, 
that might have been a place where he might have gotten a shot to uh, run with the, their main belt, which made it would have made him kind of a bigger draw, maybe at the other companies or whatever. But I don't know. He's a good guy, and hey, right now, if you hear him going to be on someone's podcast, uh, it's worth worth listening to because he's got a lot of stuff to say. Yeah. And he's not he's not boring. He's got a lot to say, and he's and he. You know what though? He's very realistic about things when he talks about like, you know what's wrong with things and why this doesn't work and why this character is not over and how they could fix things. It's not like he's like, well, it's going to be amazing if you do this. It's like, well, remember you're given a script and you're done. Da, 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 you know, and <laughs> nowadays people are just really boring. Even if they're handed a script, Roman Reigns, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying is, you know, Lance storm said, go out there and be boring. He's like, if I could be serious for a minute, yeah. you know, Roman Reigns <laughs> is like, it's my yard. Awesome, dude. I'm glad it's your yard. That's great. You, you know what needs to happen? Kevin Sullivan needs to go out there, kick him square on the balls, and be like, and the, and the only the, the only problem with that is having seen Kevin Sullivan in a wrestling <laughs> ring last year at this time, he Kevin Sullivan got old. Yeah. Like, yeah, like he, super old, like really quick. Yeah. Like, I don't know if maybe the deal with, with the devil, like, you know, came due or something. <laughs> I'm just, but man, I, I, and the thing was, I, I swear, I'm not even making this up. This was at Best in the World 2016 in, uh, air quotes up to the microphone, Charlotte, North Carolina for Ring of Honor. And, you know, it's, it's the, it's, um, you know, uh, um, uh, BJ Whitmer taking on Steve Carino, right? And it's a, a unsanctioned match, and Carino is just kicking the shit. At one point, he, he broke a bottle over his head. It was freaking awesome. It was a great match. And at the end, Sullivan comes out, and, you know, they do the blackout, and you can see him, like, trying to, you know, you can see somebody, like, you know, being helped into the ring. I'm like, who the hell is this? And they cut out, and it's, it's Kevin Sullivan. And, sh- and sure enough, not 20 minutes earlier in the last match, somebody got tried to tied to the tree of woe, but it took like three tries to get him hooked up. <laughs> and I said, Kevin Sullivan's like, this is bullshit. This is the worst tree of woe I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then sure enough, he walked out there I'm like, shit, he really was pissed off at that bad tree of woe. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't be Kevin Sullivan. I'm just saying, if Kevin Sullivan's a guy, when you look at him, he's like this tiny little guy. Like he's not big and he's not tall. He's not whatever. And he go out there and he beat the living crap out of everyone. Whoever's in the ring didn't matter. And you believe you're like that guy will yeah. murder oh, yeah. everybody. I mean, <laughs> here, here's the problem. Right now you have Braun Strongman, Stro, whatever. I don't big know. Big Strongman. Yeah. The, the, the guy, the guy who used to be the dancer for Adam Rose, right? He goes out there and was like, yeah, Braun Strowman. It's like, oh God, he sucks. He sucks <laughs> and blows at the same time, which is hard because he's in a ring with, with Roman Reigns. So people have to cheer Braun Strowman because they can't cheer Roman Reigns because they just aren't. Otherwise, gonna... they would die. They'd yeah. have an aneurysm. That, they would, <laughs> it would, it would, it would, that's what I'm saying is like, it, like they put them on and they're like they're gonna have, uh, you know, a, a stretcher match or an ambulance match or whatever. And I'm like, oh boy, thank God that's not the main event. Oh wait, you want to push that to be the main angle because your world title is not the main angle right now. Let me ask a question. He said he's going to put him in the ambulance and then drive him to hell. Yep. Why? First off, once you put him in the ambulance, you've won the match, typically, <laughs> yeah. in an ambulance match. And then it's like you're going to drive him to hell. That means you are also in hell, doesn't it? I mean, well, maybe, maybe you, like, Kane will drive him to hell. Stop there, anyway. Yeah, maybe Kane will drive him to hell. Six drive him to hell. Six miles to hell. Yeah. Uh, just... Hell, Michigan. They can go meet up with, uh, what's his name, with... Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, no. What was his name? 
uh, uh, shit, when half of the Motor City Machine Guns partners with Alex Shelley. Oh, um, Chris Sabin. Chris Sabin, thank you. From, from Hell, Michigan. Yeah. I don't know why I couldn't think of Chris Sabin for a minute there. Because it's a boring <laughs> name. Yeah. yeah. I like Chris Sabin. You know, he's just saying the name. It's like the, it's like, it's like, uh, what's his name there? Uh, God damn it. Who's the guy in the movies there? <laughs> I want to know that guy. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. He's on power right now. Not power. Uh, the, the House of Cards. What the hell his is name? power? That's no, it. Oh, Kevin Spacey? Kevin Spacey. His name in that movie, yeah. The Negotiator, was Chris Sabian. I'm like, oh, that's all I can think of now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not Chris Sabian. That'd be something else all the Oh, Hey-oh! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey-oh! That's what... But... That's what Mario <laughs> well, calls me. I, I'm just saying, yeah. is, you know, you... Oh, ho, 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 ho. hello! Oh. That's a hey, little TMI there. Like Don's on bobblehead. <laughs> Alright, that was that was from the... That was an Attitude Era joke right there. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> uh, get it? <sighs> you know, kind of thing. I still love that Super Bowl commercial, that commercial with every outstanding. fiber of my, of my <laughs> cold, dead black heart. That's just such a great... Especially the unedited version. Because they have yeah. both versions. I love the unedited version. You know? The one that wins it for me and always has is, I think it's in the Rock segment, he's walking down the hallway and everybody is fighting in the boardroom and the one yeah. guy gets thrown. Kane is sitting there, leaning against the wall... Drinking a cup oh, of yep. coffee with a mask on. Yep. And that is, it's so, because you know it probably really is just, that probably is Kane in his downtime, right? Yeah. I mean, Glenn Jacobs is a pretty down-to-earth dude. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn fine good coffee here in Stanford, Connecticut. So. <laughs> anyway. so. so anyway, uh, thank you everyone for writing in. Please uh, get back to the wrestling at yahoo.com or send us something through the uh, Facebook page. We'd love to hear from all the listeners out there, love to hear your opinions on anything uh, pro wrestling related or pro graps, as the kids say. Uh, so I swear to God, I'm not making that up. Uh, I think it's funny that at 37, I'm not old. I'm 37. I need to actually say that that's what the kids say now because I have crossed that threshold uh, into being old. I, I but see, I, I feel like I crossed that threshold when I hit 25, and I was like, fucking kids. <laughs> I, I for sure hit that threshold after my 37th birthday and I woke up and my back just hurt for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my back. Oh, my back. Uh, yeah. Like when Vinny Testaverde was starting for the Panthers. He was put on oh. the 10-day disabled list for just sore backs. Like, just put old man on. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Vinny. But, oh. you know, Testaverde, when he started, he was older than some – he had been playing in the league longer than some of his receivers had been alive. Yeah. And that's a shoot. Their guy, he, anyway, he had a career that was longer than some of their ages. The, oh. <laughs> uh, but we're not here to talk about Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> but anyway, we're, we're here to talk about uh, finishing moves. And as I said, it, there was a time that it was relatively rare to have finishing moves. And I always kind of put this kind of at the feet of Vince. One of the things at the feet of Vince McMahon, one of the ideas of having a larger-than-life character was to have a larger-than-life move that they would do that you could name and people would wait for to be uh, the, the big uh, high spot at the end of the match, and it would give a, a signal that the match was about to end, and it would also be something that if they kicked out of it, you knew that their opponent was, was that was serious business. This was mm -hmm. important stuff. So finishing move is very important, and I think nowadays we're in the era now where finishers have in some ways gained something of the, you know, there's a lot of these one-hitter finishers out there. We get onto the kind of the indie scene and the more indie-style matches, and we... What the uh, the common term is to spam out finishers. We'll have a lot of them in a match. So, um, you know, to me, a good finisher is something that you don't need to spam it out and use it over and over. It's one that you can break it out, and it should end the match. But if it doesn't, it's an oh-shit moment. 
And, yeah. You know that that is that's how I always have have looked at them. So, uh, so what what do you guys think? What are what are some of your absolute all time favorite finishing moves? Well, one of the things I was going through, uh, you know, best finishers and stuff like that, and I think um, when I think of really, I mean, iconic finishers, um, a lot of mine are uh, things from Japanese wrestling. Uh, and I think the problem is when, when I start thinking about, I mean, there are definitely some uh, from obviously American wrestling and stuff, but the ones in, in Japanese wrestling, there are some guys will have three or four moves that are their quote unquote finisher moves. And there's one that they'll use all the time. And then one that they'll pull out in like a major match and one they've maybe only done two or three times ever because it was like they had it up the level. And I think that uh, what shows that more than anything else uh, is uh, Kenta Kabashi. Kenta Kabashi's finisher, normal finisher, um, he for a man who's 265 pounds, he does a hell of a moonsault, right? He does a moonsault. It's, it's impressive. It's a moonsault. His main finisher is what he calls a burning lariat. It's the sh- it's a, it's he he grabs you and he, and he hits you as hard as he can right in the throat with his uh, with a lariat, um, and it's insane. That's his regular finisher. But to me, his, his, the two moves that always um, blew me away, uh, one is he, it's called the, the Orange Crush, a vertical suplex into a powerbomb. Um, and then his other one, the one that uh, uh, when, when he did to Misawa, I thought he killed him. Um, it's called the Burning Hammer. It's an inverted Death Valley driver. It's an SCD, I, I, isn't it? No, no. It, the Burning Hammer, he inverts you. And when he does the Death Valley Driver, the DVD, that's what Luis Piccoli used to do. You're actually coming down face first, and your neck goes to the side. It's just sick. So my sexually transmitted disease joke went way over your yeah. head. Oh, I thought you said DVD. Did DVD? No, an, no, an SDT. That's a different move. Yeah, yeah. that that when you get no, after them. No, I said SDD. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I heard Burning I said, Hammer, yeah. and I was like, ooh. Okay, so, <laughs> but the thing is, <laughs> but when, when when he does that, so uh, again, he did it. Only, I mean, I mean, he did it. I want to say he did it against Kawada, but he used it against Misawa. He maybe only used it ten times in his career, but it was always like the threat of using. It. It's like it, it's it's just those moves were so like he had his regular finisher and he would do it. And in Japan, there aren't a lot of two counts, except in the really big matches when guys will somehow sneak their shoulder out, you know, kind of thing. And but we're not talking about matches like oh, it's a long match, it's seven minutes. We're talking like a long match. It's like. 48 minutes like it's just the most brutal chops and you know it's just it's just two men look like they're really killing each other and the nice part about uh at least i mean i can't say for for all time but the nice part about a lot of what you see with uh all japan and even new japan did the same thing they'll have their comedy stuff they'll have their their you know with their haha parts of their show but it's never in the main event. The, the world that no, they're... To say, typically in a, in a Pro Wessa card, usually the first match is almost always a comedy match. Yeah. That, that to warm up the crowd and get it, get the crowd relaxed and ready for the show, almost always a comedy match. So you never have comedy in the in, in, in a main event match right. in, a, in a Pro Wessa. Not, not in any major uh, pro, uh, federation over there, anyway. Right, exactly, yeah. I'm saying, but... but, 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 but other promotions exist over there that are designed around, like, like uh, the promotion, DDT is, I think, the name of it. Is that yeah. the garbage promotion? Like, they have the weirdest crap all the time, but that's their entire they thing. Have, well, they have the heavy metalweight championship where yeah. anything can win it. Yes. It actually has been won by a poster. Yeah. Um, the, the ring won it. The belt itself won the title once. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm saying, but that's their, but that's their, <laughs> that's their entire fed because they, they know they can't go toe-to-toe with New Japan or All Japan or at the time Noah, they can't st- go toe to toe with them for hard hitting, like you know, 
guys who are suplexing and chopping and, you know, brain busters, you know, like that. They can't do that. Um, if anyone was wondering where El Generico got that from, it would be Japan yeah. because that's what you say when they brain buster. Brain-o-buster! Haley does that. Haley loves it. She goes, Daddy, 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 he just did a brain, brain And she screams it. The UPS guy was home to the door one day, and Haley's screaming that. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh, yeah, she's watching wrestling. So, um, <laughs> so you know, the thing is, so to me, uh, Kenta Kobashi, who um, I saw actually wrestle live in New York City against Samoa Joe in uh, a five-star match, which was the most insane match I've ever seen in my entire life, um, just could do these things, but he knew not to, like, for example, that match against, against Samoa Joe, which is just amazing. It's back and forth. If you ever get a chance to see it, it's just they blister each other with chops and kicks and he doesn't use the burning hammer to win that match. He uses uh, the chop and the clothesline. Like, he, he uses his regular finishers. He doesn't because that match didn't warrant him pulling out to you. I mean, he survives a muscle buster, for Christ's sake, from Joe and, like, it, he doesn't have to pull the burning hammer. That was only used, and when you hit the the burning hammer, that was it. There was no getting up from that. When he hit the uh, when he hit the the, the um, excuse me when he hit the orange crush. Now he has a, he has one called the black crush. Also, it's a different variation on the same thing, but it's just you know it just was it. That was it. Um, you know, and again, uh, he was a situation where you look at when he did those things. A little different would be the idea, and I'm not trying to steal this, but it ties together. A guy like uh, um, Toshi Kawada, Kawada had his vertical uh, drop brainbuster, uh, which is where the brainbuster comes. He also had what he called his dangerous DDT, which is what that is. That's what it is. He'd pick you up for uh, uh, like going to give you a brainbuster, and he would like a TD, DDT and a brainbuster at the same time, like in the air. It was just crazy. But he would do that, and Kawada was. I mean, he was champion, but he was never Masawa level. He never was kabashi level and some people would argue that he was and that's fine you're welcome to like you like but it's like when you saw that you're just like oh my god like i mean luke i mean i don't know how much uh, japanese wrestling you've ever watched chris but luke knows um what i'm talking about here very We'd very very match. little <laughs> i'm saying you watch a match and you see the guy hit this and you're like oh my god he's dead like like for real like that man should not be alive and yeah. and that and that actually kind of funny think about the old all japan video game right luke uh, yes. You'd hit a guy with the brain buster, and it would show you how much brain damage you would do to the guy. <laughs> so, oh God, I need to this, play yeah, that. This, yeah, yeah, this was All Japan Pro Wrestling plus, plus Virtua for the Sega Saturn. Uh, our friend Bob Hansen loved it because one of the guys in it was Stan Hansen, and the crowd would chant, Hanusen, Hanusen, during his matches. It's like, they're cheering for me, McMahon. But- Cheer for me, McMahon! <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, ah, good, good one. What, yeah. what do you think? What, what do you got, uh, Hero? Uh, all right. Well, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of locked into the like the '80s and '90s when it comes to the to pro wrestling. So my, a lot of mine are just going to be nostalgic, and I don't know if they're going to be like the best finishing moves, but these are the ones that I really like. Oh, uh, your favorites? Yeah, both my favorites. Yeah. Uh, so the the first one that I thought of uh, is uh, well, can you dig it, sucker? <laughs> <laughs> scissor kick is awesome. Oh, Harlem! I love kick, that. Yeah. Oh, the Harlem sidekick. Okay. Yeah. No, the, the scissor kick. Yeah, they the call it kick. both of it. The, yeah. the, the newer one. I I, yeah. I love the scissor kick, man. It's crazy, and, and he's an old man, and he can still do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, Booker book T, man. He's he's just fun to watch, man. 
I, I was I was very disappointed when he started using the bookend, which was basically the rock bottom. The rock bottom. They were, yeah. they were trying to turn Booker into WCW's The Rock mm-hmm. because the 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 scissors kick is so. I mean, that is Booker T. That is Harlem Heat. You know, that was his. That was their thing. That was always their thing. And you know, so to me, it was like using the bookend was kind of a, was kind of a joke. And I was glad that he it kind of the bookend transitioned from being a finisher to being more of a setup mm-hmm. during, especially his his WC, uh, WWE run as King Booker and, and some of the earlier stuff than that as well. He was with Goldust and stuff like that. So, uh, little side fact: um, even though Booker is retired, you can on occasion see his his scissors kick because. He is the one who trained Alicia Fox, and Alicia mm-hmm. Fox uses the scissors kick as an homage to her trainer Booker T. Nice. She does. So every time she and she she'll also do the one where she'll do a cartwheel with it too, which is pretty cool. Mm. But you know she's a bit smaller and more flexible than King Booker. <laughs> <laughs> Booker. You got to remember Booker wrestled. In, he wrestled in the the old the AWA in, in world class. He wrestled back then. That's so, GI Bro. Yeah. yeah well, no, 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 I'm not in GI Bro. He did he wrestled that they were they was the GI Bro was in WCW. He wrestled know, in he wrestled with uh they were Cole and Kane, the Harlem Heat. Cole and Kane. But Harlem that, that 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 name came from the fact they were Cole and Kane and then they were they weren't the Zamboni Express, they had another name. And their entire gimmick was that they were just like like militant blacks and it was like but they would come to and like <laughs> I mean I'm not kidding. Like like remember if this is the Midwest, like they're they don't look like the crowd watching them. So it was easy to get over, you know. Um, but and, and the thing is, but what happened was he became. Remember, guys like Iceman King Parsons and guys like that. I mean, they were doing a whole lot of uh, African Americans there, and eventually Booker T and got over. I mean, it was always them as a tag team. They became faces. People were just like, well, those guys are fighting for what's right. But he spent time in jail, you know. Yep. So I mean, it wasn't like Booker was a super <laughs> young man when he was, no. you know, breaking in. And I mean, I mean. We all know, you know, that he was part of a, the tag team Harlem Heat with his actual brother Stevie Ray. But those guys, you could never tell how old they were. They looked the same. Yeah. They looked the same in yeah, 1986. They, they did in 2000. Booker still looks pretty good now. He does. Honestly, looks pretty good. I mean, yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah. Go on, Jack. The only reason you know he's older now is because, like, you just remember him being around a long time. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, if you if, yeah. if you didn't know him, you're like, okay, that guy. What is he like? Forty maybe? Like, yeah. no. You know, yeah. kind of thing. Like he's—you just remember him being around a long time. Like, that guy's got to be old. You know. Yeah, it's it's very opposite of the way that uh, <laughs> Ric Flair turned into. Oh. His face turned into a catcher's mitt over the years. Oh yeah. Yep. That'll do it. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, the first one on my list, uh, the first one that popped in my mind when I talked about this, and it's interesting because it's the same finisher that is a personal favorite of mine for two different guys. Oh. And that's the. That's the DDT. Mm-hmm. Okay. The mm-hmm. first DDT was, of course, that I was a fan of was Jake the Snake Roberts, who was one of my, we talked about this on the last episode, one of my all-time favorites and one of my huge favorites when I was a kid. Always a big mark for Jake the Snake. And when he hit that DDT, that was it. You didn't kick uh-huh. out of the DDT. <laughs> did, did anyone ever kick happen. out of the DDT? I mean, in... Not in, not in WWF. Not in WWF. Did, I mean, it may be in WCW. I think Sting may have kicked out. I think Sting may have kicked out of the DDT in WCW, but... But that, but that's, but, but I mean, think about that. That move was a one-hit killer. Oh yeah, you know, for for sure back then, and it was put over as such mm-hmm. to the point that it have usually in a good Jake Roberts match at least one teased DDT spot where it'd be by the ropes and the 
the the heel would powder out like you know would see that he was going for it and he would get the hell out of the ring you know like Jake uh, Rick Martel was always good at that spot you know to get the hell out of Dodge or the or he would, or he would go hook it up and the guy would grab the ropes and would and he yeah. would go back because if you remember uh, uh if you remember the time the, in the locker room brawl this is going real yes. local for Luke where I grabbed yeah. Bob and I and I spun the finger and I actually del- went to deliver a DDT and Bob supposed to grab on a locker but doesn't and I actually back bumped on the floor that yeah. you know when, when you do that as soon as you see someone locked him in a DDT and you go backwards everyone knows what that means you lock yeah. someone in a DDT you whip the finger and you drop back you know the match is over like that's like so if you don't hit it you're like oh like yeah. it's, it's not even like but it's not even a question like oh maybe they'll get it. no it's done the DDT yeah. was that dangerous oh quote, yeah quote. So. And and so that so of course as we transition out of the eighties and into the nineties, DDT became synonymous with another of my all time favorites, and that's Raven. And Raven using the DDT, I always saw as the connective tissue for the psychological aspects of his character back to Jake Roberts. Nice. Because it there's there's no it, it, it it's too it works out too well, and Scott Levy is too smart to to use a move like the DDT without doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That that just Levy in general. And again, we talked about this before the show went on. He's an asshole, but mm-hmm. he's freaking brilliant. You know, so I, I know that Raven is doing this on purpose. But Raven's DDT again, a one hit killer in ECW of all places, where you know any people could kick out of anything, and and this DDT did get kicked out of. But he didn't spam it out. If he hit it, that was typically the end of the match. Right. And and it was, su- again, such a perfect uh, move for him. And then he kept the DDT with him when he went over to WCW. It was renamed the Evenflow DDT over there. Led to one of my favorite segments ever with uh, Scotty Riggs getting dropped over and over and over with the DDT yelling, I feel your pain. Bam. <laughs> I feel your pain. Bam. And the crowd having no idea how to react to this right. because a typical WCW crowd had no idea who Raven was. <laughs> you know? It, I mean, tr- I mean, those of us watching on Nitros, most of us kind of knew, but the live crowd was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. He looks like a friggin' nutcase. <laughs> and it kept it as the Raven effect, and, and you still use it. So the DDT has always been a favorite of mine. It very much disappoints me to see guys like The Rock use it as a transition move. Well, The Rock's DDT is really bad. It's poor. really lame. Yeah. Really late, but I, I think but it's like he could he could just use a scoop slam. Yeah, he's the same effect. Yeah, I'm saying he just needs a way to get you to the ground. It doesn't need yeah. to be. A, but I think the float over into that half-ass DDT has kind of just become a way of getting that, you there. That that's one of his things, and I, and I. But you know, but again, you'll see this in indie matches where guys just throw DDTs yeah. with with uh, you know with a plum, and it's like no, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't I don't I don't believe that. Yeah. I mean, that's like you know uh, you know there, there are certain moves you can get away with with that. But the DDT, in my mind, should not be one of them, even though that's kind of where it's at. But, yeah, the DDT is always, you know, that, that was the first thing popped in mind as soon as I thought of this, or, or as soon as this this idea kind of came to me. So, got to go with that. Nice. All right. What do you got, Joe? So, um, I got a bunch of guys here, but I'm going to pick one. Um, <laughs> I got all kinds. Of, um, we're talking about, a, a you know, a move that is, you just know it hurts when you see it happen. How about Stan Hansen's Lariat? Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> you know Van Vader's eye, Big Van Vader's eye came out. Um, we watched that match the other day. Uh, he gets hit. Well, he gets hit with the he gets hit with the cowbell, and his eye is actually sticking out. And Haley yeah. goes, "Daddy, is this the match where his eye comes out?" And I go, "Well, look at it. Look at his face." And Haley goes, "Ew, his eye is sticking out." And it is. 
and then you watch oh, the referee God. come over and they actually push Vader's eye back uh. into the slot. <laughs> if you've never seen it, um, here's what you need to understand about Stan Hansen. Uh, very nice man, very soft-spoken man, um, away from the ring, wears glasses that are thicker than mine, is blind <laughs> as a freaking bat. Oh, yeah. Watch watch his Hall of Fame induction. Yeah. Where yeah. Van Vader inducts him into the Hall of Fame from a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, so the problem with Hansen is that he is blind, yeah. Um, and he had the cowbell on the end of the bull rope, right? And he just would wing it around his head and go, youth! Because he actually was saying youth. Um, the problem was he couldn't see where he was winging it, and nor did he really care. <laughs> and him and Vader are actually, were actually are actually really good friends. And he yeah. clips Vader with the thing and knocks his eye out. But that aside, Stan Hansen, um, there's there's a tag okay, there's a tag team called the Miracle Violence Connection, which a lot of people might not know about. Um, but that's because you just missed out on it. It's Doc and Gordy. Doc and Gordy. Doc and Gordy, right? And what happened was before Doc and Gordy were a team, Stan Hansen teamed up with Gordy. And then when Doc got over there, the, the six-man team was Doc, Gordy, and Stan Hansen. I don't know who in their right mind signs on for that match because <laughs> those are three... <laughs> murderers on the other side of the ring and i don't mean like actual murderers but i mean like though that's insane the only other team that might be more crazy than that combo was when stan hansen went to japan and his regular tag team partner was bruiser brody <laughs> i'm just saying i know people yeah. are like jay you watch too much japanese or whatever you gotta see them in the ring we people remember like Stan Hansen, and maybe you saw him in the AWA when he was just killing people. I mean, he just broke guys in half. He was their champion. And but some people remember Stan Hansen from his run in WCW when he just was dropping tobacco out of his mouth all the time. I mean, that's it's. But he could do so much more, and they limited him there. His lariat was oh god. Like I mean, I, I know I know Luke likes JBL's lariat, and he's a big JBL. Well, fan. I have actually later on my list. I have my line says Stan Hansen's lariat slash JBL's clothesline from hell. Yeah. Now, all I'm going to say there's a reason why when we go to any wrestling show, I'm that guy who yells lariat yeah. every time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Stan Hansen's lariat as much confused as... the hell out of the family sitting in front of me at Raw. Yeah. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> as much as 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 the. Um... As Kenta Kabashi's uh, short short arm version of it is is impactful. When Stan Hansen comes and hits you with that lariat, you're almost past him when he hits you, and then you fly in front of him. Like he just it's not it's not like you know we see a guy hit a clothesline and a guy does three flips. He hits you so hard, and you're like, man, that looks real because it is. Because <laughs> it is. That's the secret <laughs> of Terry Funk's left hand. He punches you in the face with it. You know, so um, I, I'm just saying, I mean, Stan Hansen's Larry, just great. I, I think the problem is a lot of people just don't have never seen it. Um, there's there's stuff. If, if you go look, Hansen, uh, Stan Hansen's, you know, he just his, his Japan stuff was always, I thought, better than his U.S. stuff because there he was able to work uh, a tougher match. He was able to, you know, and, and strong style, they want to whatever you want to call it. They just they just hit each other harder there. And here, I mean. It's all great. I mean, Lex Luger takes one of those clotheslines. You don't want to get up, you know, kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's hard. I mean, you, you can't have those guys take these things for real because they got to wrestle 
you know, what, you know, what the next day, and you can't it's hard to explain that giant bruise across your <laughs> facial chestal areas, you know. <laughs> so, thank, thank you, Gorilla Monster. Yes, in this tuberculosis area, it's the back, it's the back of the neck of, for the rest of you people. The back of the neck for you normal people. The no lariats are no lariats. Hanson's lariat was by far the best. I always liked, like I said, uh, JBL's clothesline from hell was like the modern interpretation mm-hmm. of it because he was always pay, paying homage. To all he'd see, if you read his book, he talks about this a little. The paying homage to all the great cowboy wrestlers mm-hmm. that he grew up uh, watching in Texas, and Stan Hansen is, is one of them. Now the Hansen lariat. There's a reason why the lariat is its own class of move in Japan, and mm-hmm. it's because of Stan Hansen. Mm-hmm. If you play Fire Pro Wrestling, you can get about four or five different variations on just the lariat, not a clothesline. That's a different move, mm-hmm. but just the lariat. If you want to know what a technically a, most most what we what we call a clothesline most of the time here in the U.S. Not to get all wrestling nerd <laughs> on you folks, most clotheslines are technically a lariat. Whereas the only one that was ever really like an actual clothesline, remember how the warrior used to do his clothesline? Yeah, with his arm completely straight out <laughs> yeah. and run his his wrist into your neck. Yes, <laughs> that's technically what a clothesline is. It is, is. It if, is if, if, a clothesline. If you uh, you know, uh, uh, if, if if you throw your arm at him, that's technically a lariat. But again, no, ha- St. Hansen's lariat was just brutal. It just was. Yeah. And it's one of those ones, it's a simple thing. When you're a kid, you're like, oh, his finisher's a clothesline? That's stupid. Then you see it, you're like, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> that's not a clothesline <laughs> at all. Well, well, somebody check on Stig. Stig needs help. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. If, <laughs> and, and Luke will remember this, too. Um, a side headlock. Um, <laughs> I locked Bob in a side headlock one time. And I wouldn't let him go. And I just, just wrenched it in to the point where he was spinning around trying to get out and put himself in a choke. Um, <laughs> a side headlock, like when applied properly, can kill you. Yeah, um, yeah. A, a properly thrown lariat can break your neck. Like, that's the whole thing about Stan Hansen's lariat. He'd hit guys. I mean, he was hitting guys who were big dudes, but he hit you and you were like, he might have broken his neck. Like you, you bought that he could have just broken the guy's neck. Yeah. If 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 you can sell that to me every time, okay. You know. Yeah. And shockingly, <laughs> no one no one died. You know, no, but, because because he might have been blind, but yeah. he knew how to throw no, he, a lariat properly. Yeah, no, he, he knew how to work. He just he just couldn't see you. So that's why he had to throw a lariat. He'd wait till you go. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get you. You know. No, you're here. I got you. But as I said, yeah, de- do definitely check out Stan Hansen's Hall of Fame induction. He talks about talk about a guy that can work and a guy that knows the business. Some of the stuff he talks about, he he dropped he he dropped the term carpenter, and the internet wrestling community lost their collective minds. Yeah. Because that word is so out of fashion, and now has come back around mostly because of just Stan Hansen using it on a national stage like that. So, yeah, awesome. I, yeah, love Stan Hansen. Love the Larry. Great move. What do you got for us, Hero? What, what's uh, next on your list? Oh, boy, there's, there's so many. Uh, all right, not to say anything about the guy personally, um, because, well, it's all well documented. Uh, Superfly Jimmy Snooker. Just, mm, Superfly Splash. The Superfly Splash, man. That is... You want to get a crowd amped up? You want to get that pop? You, you go to the top rope and you just freaking launch yourself, man. We, and I know Splash is like, it, it's a standard high spot now, but man, he was such a big dude. It just That's just like a boulder coming down on you. Luke and I saw Jimmy Snuka go off the top rope at, at, at the first wrestling show we went to, the very local, it was, the, it was at, at Mayapak High School, we sat front row. Yeah. Um, 
which was insane. Uh, and we saw Jimmy. Now we had seen guys. The the they were from the ECWA. They was like basically it was except for Ace Darling. Everyone was there. Like with yeah. Cheetah Master and Glenn Osborne and uh, who became Lance Diamond. Lance Diamond. I mean, th- these were these were guys I had known because I followed them through like the 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 in the after mag the after and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, this is before the internet, really. So, but there was no internet yet. It's like the, the, we. So I follow them. So we're watching them, and out comes for the main event, and it's Jimmy Snuka. He go and he goes to the top rope. Did he wrestle Bam Bam Bigelow? I think right. Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. He goes off the top rope. Now we're in a lit in a little podunk ring. It's nothing special. We had seen guys do jumps off the top rope. We saw uh, we saw Lance Diamond do the 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 moonsault. And everything. <laughs> That's next, you know, kind of thing. And he missed it. And he missed it. No, it was, it's a funny long story. Anyway, but Jimmy snuggles off the top ropes, and it's just amazing how much more height he got. And this isn't young Jimmy Snooker. This is old Jimmy Snooker. This is like <laughs> '96. He goes off the top rope, and it's amazing how much more height he got. Right, Luke? I mean, oh yeah, he got a ton of height, and you're like, holy crap! How did he get that high? Because he comes to the ring. And he's barely able to walk. He <laughs> crawls up the step. He looks like, like man, someone's grandpa got out there. We got to get him to help. <laughs> I didn't think he was going to survive. But then he goes to the. He, he doesn't do much in the match, and then he he gets him down, goes to the top rope, and he dives. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> just whoa. You know, I can only imagine him going off the top of the cage against Morocco. You know, what I'm saying, yeah. like, I can only imagine how crazy that was. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, he just, he just, and he was a big, big, he, you know, he's a huge dude, you know, just thick, you know, yeah. I, he's a South Island boy. He's just big. Yeah. I don't want to mess with them South Island boys, McMahon. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's good. That's a good call. I didn't, I didn't think of that, but yeah, no, definitely. He, and he did, he, he's one of, and that was, became, like you said, a standard high spot. And again, it. To me, it's one of the it's that whole argument that's been going on on the internet the last couple of months as we're recording this, the whole dive, dive. is what they call it. Yeah, yeah. dive. You know, it's like does dive. Well, to me, it's like oh, it's like a submarine thing. Dive, dive. <laughs> he's right somebody though. Get Ri- somebody get Richard Basehart out here. I whether he's right or not, I don't know that psychologically I can agree with Randy Orton. I'm, I'm just saying. But well, it wasn't <laughs> Orton. It's 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 Rip Rogers. No, but but Orton back was the one who. Be- yeah, but uh, well, when Rip no, Rogers, but, but you're right. No, but but, but, in, but in any, but no, but it, but in any event, they, they, not not to not mm, to get on the right. dive thing because that that'll be that's an episode in and of itself. But the idea that yeah, of of the the big splash being a standard move most of the time, guy and guys eat it more than anything else, yeah. more than hit it on the big splash. Right. But when you get somebody that does it really well, it's still really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and that's why you know moves that kind of are um, to me are like in. Uh, you know, uh, sequential of that, like the frog splash and stuff like that, still looks so good. If you can get height, oh yeah, like like Eddie Guerrero used to be able to, or or Rob Van Dam has, you know, there's a reason his is the five star frog splash. It just is so impressive, especially to the live crowd. I mean, it looks great on TV. They shoot it up at the angle and all that. Yeah. But live, those are insane. We've seen Rob Van Dam do a five star frog splash, just in a regular, just as you know, in a match, and it's insane how much air he gets. We've actually seen him do a Van Terminator, right? I mean, Van Daminators yeah. or whatever, but the Van Terminator, where he jumps all the way across the ring. You're like, Jesus, right. man, like, how is he doing that? <laughs> but him, go, when he jumps up, because the, the five-star frog splash, 
you know, when Eddie Guerrero would do it, and I remember Eddie Guerrero did it in homage for Art Bar, who Art Bar did right. an amazing five star, I mean, an f- amazing frog splash. He would, he didn't always have the opponent in the best place. Sometimes he'd be too close, and you'd see Van Dam jump straight up in the air instead of out, still do the frog splash, and turn and yeah. land on the guy. And you're like, that's insane. Right? That's why you don't skip leg day. Yeah. Well, no, I've never skipped leg day. <laughs> I don't know. We, 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 we were at a local show and the guy come out and I go, dude, don't stop skipping leg day. And the crowd starts laughing and the guy looks right at me. I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. You got tiny legs. And it's true because he had these spindly little legs that were not tan. I'm like, oh, and I go and tucking your drawstring, you look unprofessional. So he left his drawstring. I'm like, it's fine. It looks like he got a floppy dick in the front, but it's what it is. So, and yeah, Haley goes, well, what does that mean, Dad? I go, it means you need to tuck your drawstring in, Haley. He goes, and then she goes, tuck your drawstring in. You I got like, a floppy <laughs> dick from the uh, the burning hammer. Yeah. We picked up that one ring rat down there. We got that burning hammer. You got to watch out for that. <laughs> at, the, at the Econo Lodge. <laughs> you know, I tell you what I like to do. I like to drink four loco, pop dick pills, and fuck strippers. That's what I like to do. <laughs> I've been reading my diary again, Luke. <laughs> That's called a Chris Hero Saturday night. Uh, <laughs> we call that Saturday. <laughs> oh, oh man. Well, you know, talking about, um, I got. I'll jump down here because we're talking about moves off the top ropes. One of the ones I had on here is a combo move that almost always goes together. Sometimes it doesn't, but always does. Oh, a lot of times does. And the the, fe- the the final part of the combo is off the top rope, and that is Christopher Daniels' Angel's Wings and Best Moonsault ever. Mm-hmm. Um, his I've I've seen I've seen Daniels live a couple of times at ROH. I've, the first ROH show I went to, which was their first show in uh, North Carolina, was called the Big Bang. He was the world television champion. He defended his belt and won with the Best Moonsault ever. There's a reason it has that name. It is so impressive. For a guy that we all lovingly call Old Man Daniels, because <laughs> OMD, Christopher, OMD, because he's 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 not a he's no spring chicken anymore. He was he was old when he started. He wrestled in know? he wrestled in ECW. Yes, he did. But that way, wrestled in ECW. Yeah, he was in he everyone was an, thought, in, yeah he was an indie guy. Sorry, Lou. He was an indie no, and guy, and everyone he, shit on him too. And yeah. he's in ECW, <laughs> and he was in ECWA, and he was he used to wrestle with Reckless Youth, who is now yep. runs everything, and he wrestled against a. Uh, Ace Darling and Cheetah, Cheetah Warrior or Cheetah Master, uh, Glenn Jacobs. He wrestled, uh, not Glenn Jacobs, Glenn Osborne. And those, he wrestled with all of them. And then he went to ECW. And then he became the, the on the first ROH show. I mean, he's been there for all of it. And one thing about uh, Old Man Daniels is that the entire time he was doing, I mean, he used to have hair. That's, that's how old he is. Right? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the weird part. That's the truly weird yeah. part of all of this. Him with hair is weird to see. Um, it's like Kurt Angle with hair. Oh, it God. just looks weird. <laughs> his, his moonsault was always good, though. Like it's like yeah. it, it wasn't called the best moonsault ever until later on, but it always was impressive to see his moonsault because it's just it looks so smooth. I think that's what the the main thing yeah. is. It's just such a smooth moonsault. Yeah, well, and because it combined with the angel wings, which is one of those ones that lo- you talked about, oh. you know, the Larry that looks like it hurts, mm-hmm. 
The angel's wings looks like it hurts us, which is hard to do for a butterfly move because you know there's only so much you can do with that because the guy is so exposed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but and, and again, Daniels has so much quickness that he can hit the angel's wings and then pop right up, right up to the BME. Yeah. And it's just, again, that's one of the ones I said that when I saw it live, it just it struck me from the sitting in the, we were sitting in the second row, I think. Uh, at, at th- this is the show where Chris Hero vaulted over the guardrail right in front of us and like ran into my friend Joe, which is funny. But uh, that's why we can't call you Chris Hero. Chris, that's quite know. all right. <laughs> they, what do they call him? Cassius Ono now? Yeah. Because that makes oh, sense. No. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm the guy that... Oh, I'm the guy that... I'm the guy that goes to the, the, the WWE show, and I'm cheering for Claudio Castagnoli every time he comes out. Claudio! It's like, who's Claudio? It's like, that's Claudio! Uh, great for this. The Swiss dude! But <laughs> Haley, Haley calls him. Haley says, wait, Cesaro. We, or she'll call him Cesaro, and then she'll call him Claudio, because I cannot remember Cesaro. Yeah. No, Cesaro sounds yeah. like, like a cat food. Like, it's, it you does. know... <laughs> Or a dog food, one of dog the two. Food, whatever, yeah. you know, you don't understand. <laughs> but it's Claudio you know, Castagnoli, you know. Yeah, it's Claudio. But, uh, yeah, but the, so that was another one, talking about to see it at live, always put me over to that. Now there's, I mean, I loved the Moonsault from a young age because of the great Muda. Yeah, he's on my but, list. Muda's Moonsault. Yeah, but Muda's Moonsault is, I mean, well, we can, we can just transition right to that. I mean, Daniel's Moonsault, I said, from a modernist type of take. I said, because I simply put Angel's Wings and BME, but Great Mood is Moonsault. The first time you saw it, your brain, like, melted. You didn't understand, you know? At least I didn't. No. It's like, that's, you can't do that, Remember, man. He had, he had, Muda, and this was a shame, Muda never won the world title in WCW. And he was the, uh, he was New Japan and All Japan and all that stuff, that champion fight. He never won the world title here because I don't think he, he didn't really want to stay. He kind of no. came, did his thing, and then he wanted to go home. But yeah. they wanted to put the world title on him. They said he could be a major face for us because the first time he comes out and does that moonsault, the crowd reacts like, oh, my God. Like, it wasn't like, boo. They're like, oh, that's amazing. He did it to Sting. What that? Yeah. Did you see that? Like, that's why. Remember when he was a face at the very end, like, in, like, battle? Yeah. It just was hard because, like, he couldn't talk. Well, he could they wouldn't let him but talk. They, they wouldn't let him talk. Yeah. And it just was like, man, but his moonsault, you first saw his moonsault, you had never seen anything like that. Because, again, it's a, it's a move from Japan that was just not, didn't happen in America. It's like, remember the first time you saw Scott Steiner throw a Frankensteiner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what did I just see? And, you know, <laughs> and then you realize, oh, wait, if I watch Lucha Libre, I've seen it a thousand, because, you know, Huna Conrana's done all the time down there. To see Scott Steiner throw it, you're like, oh my god! Which is, which is, I think, what the main difference between um, people who watch wrestling now, if they really want to watch wrestling and not just watch the crap that McMahon puts on TV during the week, but really watch <laughs> wrestling, you can go find wrestling. You can go out and you know, you can even if you're just talking about stuff that's on TV. New Japan has a show. ROH has a show on the internet. Uh, TNA is out there, like you know, and you can. Well, ROH's show is on regular. Oh, television. it is. I guess be in the right, right in the right market. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, they took, I get it. I get it on two shows. They took it away from my TV because I actually watched yeah. it every week. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like you know, what I'm saying like there's different. You can go find wrestling, and if you want to go watch old wrestling, you can. And it used to have to be you had to trade tapes and find somebody who had it, or you had to know RF video guys and whatever. Go get your stuff. Nowadays, so there's not moves. Like when guys do moves, there's very little like, oh, okay. Like, I've seen that before. Like, it takes a lot to impress me with a new move. When you saw 
the moonsault from Muda. Had anyone done a moonsault before? Like the closest I could think Blaney of, Poffo would be, do something like that, but it wasn't. A well, Lanny Poffo used to do, and and um, and um, um, uh, Kevin Von Erich used to do something similar. They did like a reverse cross body, yes, where they would be backwards and then like twist, jump around into a cross body, yeah. right? But not uh, over, not a uh, over the head somersault like that. And you know, you, you think about that is the the <laughs> as impressive as that is to see that moonsault. What was Muda's entire offense? Kicks and Kicking. strikes and like <laughs> like he would spit the mist. Like he did nothing anyone else did. Except if you knew who the great Kabuki was, and we all know the great Kabuki in story is Muda's dad. He's not, but in story he's his dad. But that was Kabuki's entire offense was kick and punch and spit mist. But then Kabuki was a fat guy and he wasn't <laughs> jump off no top rope. You know what no. I'm saying? So But um yeah. So, stuff, yeah. yeah. So let me just—I mean, like, let me let me just make a corollary yeah, yeah, yeah. on that. It was never a finishing move, but you talk about the first time you see the moon salt. My like my brain decided to stop working. I had a repeat performance at—I forget which in your house it was. The opening match was Brett Brett Hitman Hart against Hakushi, better known <laughs> as Jinzei Shinzaki, yep. and Shinzaki did an Asai moon salt springboard Asai moon salt to the outside, and. I, you, I mean, this was the first time that, I mean, a springboard to the inside, like Brian Pillman used to do those, <laughs> but one to the outside and then a moonsault off a springboard. It's like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I kept that tape for for months, just rewinding it. Holy crap! Well, remember, you know, every time. That's before Ultimo Dragon had debuted right. WCW. Well, that that was before Ultimo Dragon. That was, I mean, that was before. I mean, that was pro- that was most likely before Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. and Psychosis and oh, Luchador sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. and ECW. Yes, yeah. So it's like you know, and especially before they were on Nitro for sure. So it's like, whoa! It just blew your mind to see yeah. that. Does that? I just, that's just a that's a very specific wrestling memory for me. Well, they, uh, there, there was a thing on Cage Side a, a couple of months back. It's like, what's you know, it's like, what's your um, you know your favorite or happiest wrestling moment? That was like right up there for me. Well, the <laughs> thing was so cool. The thing with with Jinji Sasaki when he was Hakushi, he already was more. He was already different than what you'd normally seen because he came out first of all with the tattoos all over him, like with the 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 tattoos all over him and being the monk. And yeah. Well, even then, he'd, he'd come out, he did the same entrance. He'd come out with his monk's yeah. pilgrim outfit and his monk staff, and he would be praying on the way to the ring. Yeah. It's, it was just weird. I right. mean, you know, it's, t- it's typical uh, new, uh, new generation thing. Oh, a strange visitor from the Far East. You know, it's like, <laughs> like that's only moderately racist, but that's okay. <laughs> so he would come out doing it. Right? He comes out to the ring, he really looks different. He didn't do the, you know, most of the, 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 wrestlers from japan like the pat tanakas of the world who's not from japan uh he's from minneapolis um or quang yeah right or quang from puerto rico he's from Sabio vega, <laughs> they, vega. They, did, they did chops and kicks yeah. and he would do his chops and kicks but he did a lot of like thrust he would thrust you know shots to your your gut he would do these things you're like man he hits feet hard and then he blows your mind by going up and walking the ropes now we had seen undertaker at yeah. some point, do the the you know, but that's a big guy doing it. He could, and we never saw this here in America. We watched when you watch over in Japan, he would walk around the ropes, walk around the other way. Now people are, you know, some people are like, Jay, you're forgetting about the spoiler. I'm not forgetting about, uh, you know, Jardine. He did it also. I understand, but I'm saying, but you had not seen that in the WWF at the time. Like it just was like, what is he doing? He's walking the ropes and he's. 
like in, and then his praying power bomb like the, his move set was just different and i yeah. think that's a shame that uh they never he because he was always because remember this vince was still in love with the giants and it was when it was when the giant guys were starting to phase out and had the smaller wrestlers but he just they could not buy into that this is a guy who could be a top flight talent i mean he was he was over but he was never like Truly and over. He, and he had, I mean, he had feuds. Like I said, he feuded with Bret Hart, mm-hmm. you know, when, when Bret Hart was not the champion, but he right. was still one of the top guys. Yeah, I know. You know, so, yeah, he, he had he had a good run, and a lot of people still remember him just for his look. All, you know. all I know is his match, his match at ECW, him and Hayabusa. I mean, good Lord. Oh, my God. Could you imagine, <laughs> you imagine seeing Hayabusa when we were kids? Like, yeah. Hi, I don't know if you've ever seen any Hayabusa stuff, uh, Chris. No. Hayabusa, um did the most insane stuff you've ever seen in your entire life. Like, as if it was nothing. Like, he, <laughs> Hayabusa and Sensaki wrestled Rob Van Dam and uh, Sabu and ECW. Uh, the second pay-per-view, third pay-per-view, I forget which one it was. Yeah, Hark, something like that. Either yeah. Hark for Heaven or whatever. Heat Wave. It could have been Heat Wave. It is one of the best matches ever for a tag yeah. team match. Because in ECW, there's always going to be tables and there's going to be, you know, stupid crap and, you know, you have Fonzie blowing the whistle, whatever. Because everyone in there is just dedicated to what they're doing. You know, when the match is over, everyone's in pain. Everyone is hurt because they left everything for the 15 minute long match. It's all in there. And they went off the top ropes and there's like Phoenix splashes through tables and there's double table splashes and all that. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> you just, that, I, I can say this is, and, and again, people might not agree with me and that's okay. ECW pay-per-views, the, the, the original pay-per-views, not, not the very end when things were kind of getting kind of watered down. The original ECW pay-per-views might not have had the best lighting. <laughs> they mm. might've been cutting it really close on time. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, if you sat down and watched that, I don't remember at the end of one going, that was boring. Yeah, I don't remember it being boring. They always were like, a, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, New Jack might have tried to kill somebody. But they were never <laughs> yeah, boring. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. Uh, but, yeah. No, that's what I said. So, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's another one of those ones that just blew your mind or blew my mind the first time I saw it anyway. So. I, I, I want to throw one in here, too. Um, uh, I, uh, we, we aren't going to talk. I don't know about. You guys, but I'm betting most of you do not have a lot of women on your list. Oh, uh, I have I have one one women's move on here. Okay, well, technically two, but one of them, but definitely one. Okay, well, the one I wanted to mention um, is uh, uh, Manami Toyota, right? Um, now, some people only know her from her, her work lately when she's much older and she's much bigger. But if you go back and watch her stuff from the late mid to late '80s um, into the '90s. She is, I mean, her matches with uh, with Aja Kong, with Bull Meccano, with Akira Hokuto, like, she's phenomenal. And her moves, she has four really insane moves. The ones that are my favorite um, is it's called the Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex. Ooh. It's a straight jacket, electric chair suplex into a bridge pin. I showed Kelly this other night. She goes, what the hell is that? I go, <laughs> it is. She, so, so she picks you up in an electric chair, which means you're up on someone's shoulders like you're having a chicken fight. She yeah. straight jackets your arms, and then she electric chairs you, which means she drops backwards with you into a suplex and bridges the pin. The other one 
is called the Victory Star Drop. That's an avalanche body scissors backflip into a belly-to-back kneeling pile driver. So, for those of us who don't understand what avalanche means, anything off the top rope is called an is avalanche. That's what that usually refers to. When someone says in Japan, yes, when someone says it's an avalanche brainbuster, it means it's a brainbuster off the top rope, and that stuff happens. Now, in, in, in the interest of fairness, yeah, no one has ever referred to as an avalanche brainbuster. It'd be avalanche brainbuster. Yes. That is true. Well, well, uh, yeah, that's true. Well, you know what? Matt Stryker might have because they yeah, do. Matt Stryker would have heard what yeah, I said. Because they yeah. do do the, you know, the, the American, the, the, you know, they do have the the American commentary for the New Japan stuff. Um, yeah. The other two moves that she Avalanche Brainbuster. Yeah. The other two moves. She, Jim Ross yeah. New Japan. She had. Oh, sorry, go she, she had what's called the uh, the Japanese Ocean Bomb, which is the straight jacket reverse power bomb, um, and she also does what's called the Japanese Ocean Suplex. It's a double hammerlock bridging German suplex. And then she has what's called the Queen Bee Drop, which is she picks you up like she's going to suplex you. No, no. She then DDTs you right into the ground. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how these women don't die from these moves. Uh, the one thing about Toyota is that uh, a lot of, I mean, she's she's a legend. I mean, she is, if you go back and watch any, any all Japan women and stuff like that, she is just a legend of Japanese female wrestling. But if you never watch a lot of female wrestling, period, or if the only female wrestling you know from the 80s, might be glow. Um, you're love, n- I'm sorry. I love how everybody now says they're a fan of glow because they watch it on Netflix. I watched that shit when I was a kid. So did we, so did I'm, I. I know. I, of course, so did you. Good. We were watching it on the same damn television. Well, I'm saying this, but like, but a lot of people like they remember glow, but they don't. They remember. I mean, some people said they, they. Oh, I watched glow. Okay, really? And then, and then they don't know who anybody is. I'm like, well, then you didn't watch glow. You yeah. might have watched one episode of glow, or you might have heard of glow, but we watched glow every friggin'. Saturday night on Channel 9 at 11 <laughs> o'clock at night, we would stay up. I'm trying on a black and white television in my room. That's what we did. You want real? That's real. Um, but when that stuff was going on, there was real wrestling happening. Yeah, well, yeah. That, Josie was real up yeah. there. Yeah. Well, what happens is, and, and most people, the, the only Josie people they know would be the Jumping Bomb Angels. Yep. Because there was the Glamour Girls. Uh, who, which I think is really funny, because the Glamour Girls, uh, Leilani Kai and Judy Martin, and, uh, Judy Martin, they yeah. were they were older wrestlers, but it was again Jimmy Hart was their manager, and the Jumping Bomb Angels came over and they did stuff that no one had seen, and the Jumping Bomb Angels were really good in Japan, but they were not the top tag team in Japan, but they no. looked better than anything you have ever seen here because you're like, holy crap! So I just wanted to throw that out there. I I, I know we're not going to talk about a lot of women. Um, I do have some. I did have a lady make the worst moves of all time list, um, but we'll get to that because <laughs> yeah. she's she maybe the one of the worst wrestlers of all time. Period. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. So. The only the only Joshi ones I have on here. Um, you mentioned her when talking about some of Toyota's opponents, and that's Bull Nakano's Nakano Lock, mm-hmm. which is and mm-hmm. that uh, uh, Paige does it now, and when she's not uh, you know on medical leave, <laughs> uh, where it's like a it's like a standing version of the STF mm-hmm. with like a camel clutch. That always just looks like it really friggin' hurts. Yeah. I have to give Medusa Michelli all the credit in the world because she took that move like a champ. <laughs> Every time Bull Nakano put it on her, she looked like she was about to die. Yeah. You know, the Nakano lock is just a great, this Mr. Salty, just tie him up move. Yeah. And, you know, Nakano, she had such a, she was such a, a, a big chick, you know, when, when, uh, when she was working, especially when she was working. For, for WWF, you know, she was, she looked like she could just beat the hell out of you. <laughs> and then she would do, 
you know, her, I mean, the Econolock was, was, that was a finisher she used in Japan. I don't think she ever won a match with it in the States. No. But she would do the guillotine leg drop. Mm -hmm. And again, you talk about just a simple move from the top rope, but when you've got somebody her size doing a guillotine leg drop, it's just impressive because it really looks like it hurts. It was a big impact. She always, typically in the States, she would wrestle uh, women smaller than her, mm -hmm. you know. In Japan, she might work against somebody her same size, like uh, um, Aja Kong or some of the other girls that were, were bigger. But, you know, to have her go out there and hit that against, you know, again, uh, Medusa Michelli or whatever, man, that, that was always impressive. I, I thought that was just a great... Uh, move for her, and she did a great job with it. And she and she would look like a champ even when she missed it, when she landed right in her ass. You know, yeah. when she'd miss <laughs> giant it. Giant butt bump. So, yeah, it was a big butt bump. One of my favorite caught on camera moments is a match. I forget. I think um, Layla L was fighting. I think Caitlyn. That's when Layla was teamed up with Michelle McCool, mm -hmm. and she went for a leg drop and missed it. And the mic picks up Michelle Yang. Layla, are you okay? No, I fell right on my butt. <laughs> uh, I have to. I have to interrupt. I'm watching YouTube video of Manami Toyota right now, and I am <laughs> fucking in love, dude. I'm telling you, it's oh insane. my god, it's insane, right? Yeah, that's that's the thing with her is that a lot of people don't know who she is. I mean, I have an entire like set of it's like the best of Joshi or whatever kind of thing, and it's just it's all just all Japan wrestling, and it's got it's her, and she was, and again, she wasn't the only one. They had a number of women who wrestled that time, you know, and a lot of them were the same size, but they would just brutally, you know, like, but everyone thinks of the guys being that, but like these women took it seriously. They, this was their oh, job yeah. and it was, they weren't, they weren't there for the, to show off. Like we're going to wear no clothing. They wore like, you know, the unitard singlet that women wore back in the yeah. day and they wrestled. It wasn't, you know, I mean, there, there were, there were glamour girls in Joshi. Yes. But they weren't at the top of the card. No. You no, know, they, they'd again. They'd be at the bottom of the card. They'd be the opening matches. Yeah. You know, um, the you, uh, you said Jay that you know most people might only remember the Jumping Bomb Angels. You know, the, they said, and I mentioned uh, Bull Nakano mm -hmm. and Aja Kong, who also had a bit of a run. If you want to see just a again, if you're let's say all you have is a WWE network, and you want to see just a taste of some uh, some '90s style Joshi pro, Joshi pro wrestling, women's Japanese style pro wrestling. Go to your network and queue up Survivor Series 1995. Because there's a match in that that's got one team, which is um, was captained by Bertha Faye, who was Rhonda Singh, mm -hmm. probably the, easily the greatest Canadian women's wrestler of all time, and one of my favorites. Birth, I mean, Rhonda Singh was a monster. Huge. Known as, mo known as Monster Ripper in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> and she used to wear the face paint, and she would just powerbomb girls into oblivion. She was bigger than Aja Kong. She was bigger than Awesome yeah. Kong. Well, she was well, bigger than yeah. Bull Nakana. Well, like, <laughs> well, that, well that, was, that was the team here. So you got... You got Ronda Singh, Aja Kong, Tomoka Watanabe, and Lioness Asuka. Oh, Those were the heels. Lioness. They fought. Lioness Asuka Lioness was Asuka. another monster. She was. She's another one. Lioness Asuka. People forget about her, but man, she was good. So well, she was one half of the Crush Gals. Yes. With, uh, Chigusa Nagoya. I mean, they had their own video game for crying out loud. They did. <laughs> and they and they faced they faced the 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 baby faces were Alundra Blaze again, Medusa Michelli, uh, Coco Inoue. Sake Hasegawa and Chaparada Asari. Now, the, the, some of the baby faces were all, you know, th this was a showcase for the heels because Aja Kong beat everyone. Aja Kong beat everybody with her Uriken, her spinning back fist. Again, oh. talk about another move that we talked about Stan, Stan Hansen's lariat that looks like it fucking hurts. That's because Aja Kong is really punching you in the face. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like Terry Funk's left hand. She punched yeah. you in the face. <laughs> 
And she just spun around and would just hit you with the Uricane. And I've seen her, I mean, she, uh, there was one match on Monday Night Raw. Whoever she was fighting, she broke her nose yep. legit uh, live on Raw. Well, it's a spinning uh, back fist. And, and she's such a big woman coming around with it. And you're coming at her. Like, I mean, or, or you could be standing there. But if you don't get out of the way, the fist is coming through. So your nose will give before her hand breaks. So, you yeah. Know. Yeah. But, uh,. No, there, there's some crazy crap in Joshi. But if you want, again, if you're you're on the network, you wanted to see some of the Joshi stuff we're talking about, Survivor Series '95. Go, go check that out. That, of course, was the uh, the main event of uh, uh, Bret Hart and Diesel for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. I'm sure you all remember that one when Diesel was defending the title against Bret Hart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, another one I had on my list talking about 1995 in the WWF. I mean, it's a legend as far as I'm concerned. And every time you see it, you know, things going down the tombstone pile driver oh, yeah. by the undertaker. Uh, I don't know if Chris, did you have that in your list perhaps? Or, uh, that was on my cutoff. I, I, I figured one of you guys would bring up, bring up the undertaker. So I left them off my list. Yeah. I mean, he didn't make my list. Been, sorry. <laughs> well, is, but has there ever been a move from a, storyline persona standpoint more perfectly matched to the to the performer than the undertaker and the tombstone pile driver and the theatrics with pinning the guy and rolling the eyes yeah. back i mean there's i mean you know taker for you know uh, there, there's rumors that supposedly they want to get one more match out of him i don't know why after wrestlemania but i mean if there's if there's any you know that is so much of the mythology and the legend of the undertaker as an american pro wrestling icon that that tombstone and the pin, it's 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 pop culture, mm-hmm. you know. That that is, you know, WWE likes to talk about this as an entertainment pop culture company. That's pop culture entertainment right yep. there. The Undertaker and the Tombstone, you know, yeah. it just goes together, you know. So Ed, that was always a favorite of mine because as we talked about in the last show, I was always more prone to like the heels over the baby faces. But Taker was a guy I would follow whether he was a heel or a baby face. You know, I was when he turned baby face there in like ninety three, ninety four. I started wearing the purple gloves. I was on board with that. And him, you know, being the world champion and all that, I was always on board with that because I was a big taker mark. To, I always have a soft spot for the taker, even when I'm, like at WrestleMania, I was like, he really shouldn't be out here. Yeah. You know? But that that was a whole other can of worms and, and everything else with Roman Reigns. So, yeah, the Tombstone, to me, is just a, a legendary move. And thrown by the Undertaker, it's perfect. It's just a perfect move for, for him, and it works just really, really well. Oh yeah, I I completely agree with you on that one. The the whole theatricality of it, it's so perfect. Yeah, and to think about the think about what character should never have gotten over. The Undertaker is a character that should have been like, okay, maybe a year, and it has endured because it has grown and involved. And they still call him Taker, the Undertaker. Like remember, like they don't call him Mark Calla, Mark Calloway, right? And all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's just he's become. The Undertaker, okay, that's just what it is. Everyone knows he's a guy. He's not really a dead man, right, kind of thing. But it was able to kind of keep growing. When it had to be cartoony, it was cartoony. When it had to be, you know, the American badass, it was American badass. (laughs) I mean, but I'm saying it it was able to grow, which is good. So, One one thing you talk about, everybody still calling him Taker and all that. Uh, One little bit of uh, trivia story that I heard once that I think is great. You know, in the business, in this business, you know, when, when you're the new guy, you go around to the locker room and you introduce yourself to everybody, and you you enter and what and the protocol is this the handshake what, story? The handshakes, yeah, yeah. You go you go and you hand give everybody a handshake and all that. And the protocol is that whatever name 
that you introduce yourself as, for whether you're the younger guy or the older guy, that is the name that you want the other person to call you. Right? Mm-hmm. So when, uh, when you know, all the guys in the locker room talk about they all call him Undertaker because he'd, he'd say, you know, I'm the Undertaker. You know, So that was what everybody called him, Undertaker or Mr. Taker or whatever. The only person for years in the WWE, WWF locker room who didn't call him that, who called him Mark, was Ric Flair. Because when he was Mean Mark, yeah. he introduced himself to Ric Flair and said, I'm Mean Mark. And so he called him Mark. And so Flair was the only one who ever called him Mark backstage. Mm-hmm. Even Vince That's... called him Taker. Michelle McCool. So I, just... I think eventually Michelle McCool called him Mark. But that was only after they got yeah. married for a couple of years. So. Yeah, well, that, that was also... At uh, the wedding, they were like, too. Undertaker, do you <laughs> take Michelle McCool? You bet, brother. <laughs> well, that's like Miz and that's like Miz and Maurice, you know. It's like oh, they're the true. I the, do you see they're gonna break Miz and Maurice up because of Mike, Mikey, and Marie. It's like feud them, don't break them up. Yeah. They can argue over who's the it couple. Yeah, they, God, that'd be great. Hey, hey, but let's not worry about let's our booking. Let's just let's give away like WrestleMania main events at like shitty pay per views called balls or something. You know, whatever. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, okay. Well. I, I know we got to talk about more finisher stuff here, but let's be honest. Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe, main event WrestleMania, the other main event WrestleMania, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura. It fucking writes itself. Jesus H. Christ. Okay, so sorry. Um, no. Okay, so uh, Hero, you got one? Oh yeah, we're gonna oh, go. We're gonna, we're gonna go old school again, and this is gonna be a, a very, very different kind of uh, finishing move. We've had a lot of uh, high impact finishing moves that we've talked about. So I'm going to go old school, and I'm going to bring it back to uh, the Million Dollar Man with the Million Dollar Dream. Again, million dollar dream. How ca- a submission move followed up with having the $100 bill stuffed in your mouth. Uh, again, a, a perfect gimmick for a, for the for the right guy. I, I I loved watching the bad guys when I was young, too, because yeah. they, they had more fun. And just like Because I always think... Oh God! How awful does that dollar bill, t- that hundred dollar yeah. bill taste? Like, do they get to keep it? I want that. I'll, I'll... No, because he would send Virgil to go retrieve it. Yes, That's right. Yeah. Funny so story about for... Vir- Funny story about Virgil. Oh, I might have already <laughs> might have already told this on this show. I can't remember. The first actual match I ever went to, the main event was Virgil versus Nails. Wow! Yeah. wow what a shitty main event that is. Ooh, God. yeah. Yeah, you can't root for anybody. You know, you can root for. Double heart attack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the guy said, "Man, I hope I don't get hurt." Yeah. <laughs> so, I did. Oh, I did man. get the. I did get the Road Warriors uh, spikes, though. Oh nice. oh, nice. I don't have them anymore, fortunately. Oh. I'm, I'm sure they'd probably still fit. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh man, that's another one. Maureen would probably like that. You know, That'd the spikes. Nice, right? oh, yeah. Oh, boy. yeah. 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 You know where I'm going. Maybe you want me just just to wear the spikes. Watch you open there. Yeah. What a rush. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> now tell her I'll do my hair just like them, and she'll be like, mm, "It's gonna fall out anyway." So. Just, <laughs> No, Million Dollar Dream was, was great because I'm trying to think, did any other heels at that point use a submission? Because well, by that point, Brut- well, Brutus Beefcake was a babyface by that point. The only other heel that used a submission uh, was Sergeant Slaughter with his... Right, uh, he wasn't a heel at that point. He was. Well, he hadn't gone heel again until a little no. bit yeah. He was face, he had come back to being a face. 
Remember, Slaughter yeah, was okay, a heel. He, yeah, for a long time. For a long yeah. time. But he, I mean, his... He was a... When, when Million Dollar Man came in, Slaughter, at that point, if he appeared, was a babyface. When Slaughter came back and he was did the Iraq gimmick, yeah. yes, both yeah. Million Dollar Man and Sergeant Slaughter were both heels at the same time, yes. I guess... They, they I guess, never crossed paths, really. I guess maybe... But no, I'm saying there wasn't maybe, a lot of guys using submissions. Maybe Roddy Piper, he used a sleeper. Yeah, but again, he was by, a face by, by that point, though. He yeah. was a baby face by yeah. that point. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so, but a baby, but a, a heel using a finisher like that, yeah, because it, it's such a great spot. Yeah, because if they if they beat some if they beat a guy on superstars or challenge with it, it puts over how deadly it is. And then when they get into the main event and he wraps Randy Savage in it at WrestleMania four, you're like, oh shit. He could tap. He could. He wouldn't tap out. He could make him submit. He didn't say tap out back then. Yeah. I mean, he could, he could jump fifteen years in the future and invent tapping out. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the whole gimmick. I mean, you can't go wrong with the the, the rich, the rich asshole. Like it's, yeah. it's so per. I mean, that was. And the, it's an ass. It's an assholey sort of move. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even going to dignify you by pinning you. I'm gonna. I'm just going to put yeah. you to sleep. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and, well, I mean, that and, was. And it's not like. It, it's not like. Oh well, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm going to pick you up and slam you. It's. It's a. It's a technique move because he's that much better than you. Yeah. Well, you and know? They remember Ted DiBiase's finisher when he was in uh, Mid South. Um, it was a punch with a loaded glove. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, it's definitely a very different. Heel like, cred established. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pop! Like punch with a loaded Correct. glove. Correct. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the million dollar belt was like the first new belt that the WWE had had created in a while. I mean, it has no bearing on anything, but it, yeah, in terms of a uh, you know a prop, it was. I mean, they, they yeah, it was yeah. I mean, because that's, they had been using the the only other belts they ran through is when Hogan was the world champion. He wore the belt so much, and he sweated and did all his tanning stuff so <gasps> much that he was eating. Yeah, it's he pretty. He ate through the leather on the belt. Yes, yes. He ate through the leather on the belt, and they'd have to get new replaced. The they, they, the the plates were the same, but they'd have to get new leather. You know something, brother? When I eat through the belt, <laughs> doing the prayers, vitamins, training, and believing in myself, brother. Probably a lot of cocaine too. Wearing a and fob. Then they, and then they they rigged up for WrestleMania three. They had rigged up a giant sized version of the belt that supposedly was big enough that if Andre won it, he could strap it around his waist. Nice. But that was that was like a mock up. That wasn't a real <laughs> a real title belt, I don't believe. Yeah. It's like he's just gonna put it on his shoulder, guys. You know everybody knows that. He's got big shoulders there. <laughs> Look at the size of the giant. You hear that in our uh, in our opening every episode. Mm. But uh yeah, oh, that million dollar dream is classic, and and it still gets a pop today. If he if he comes back for anything, like if he like when the two thousands when he would come back, they'd bring yeah. the legends back. He'd inevitably million dollar dream somebody. Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I talked about Stan Hansen's uh, uh, Hall of Fame induction. Ted DiBiase's Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> he comes out and it rains hundred dollar bills on the crowd with his music playing, and he gets to the mic and says, "Beat that, JBL." Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh. awesome. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that later. So, uh, well, on the on the topic of submissions, because I had a couple that I had just noted just for submission finishers, and one was Ted DiBiase's Million Dollar Dream. One was Sergeant Slaughter's Cobra Clutch, which I always thought was great. Um, the other two on this list, and I know I left off a bunch, but the I gotta mention it, the Taz Mission, the Kantahashime. Yes. Oh my God! Like, yeah. That's someone getting yeah. choked in front of yeah. me. Like that's yeah. someone. That's someone really getting choked. 
Uh, we've seen him throw it does, the... It, it, it does, of course, for me, always raise the logical fallacy. When did chokes become legal yes. in professional yes. wrestling? Yes. It's like, shouldn't he be DQ'd for that after yeah. a five count? <laughs> well, the thing is, I think because, again, remember in ECW, you know, guys didn't get There DQ'd. were no DQs, yeah. Um, but when you saw him lock that on somebody, and you could tell when Taz was locking it on somebody who was kind of maybe... I'm just saying, somebody who maybe wasn't, you know, doing the right things, maybe, in the locker room. <laughs> he snugged that up pretty tight. Um, my favorite story <clears throat> is when Paul Varlins got in there with him. Paul Varlins being an actual MMA fighter, or at least he thought he was. Um, and he thought this was for Money Marbles or Chalk, and uh, Taz fucking messed him up. So, Taz, I know, I know, people are like, oh, that little sawed-off midget. Okay, yeah, that sawed-off midget, like... I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very big Taz fan. I do enjoy Taz's, uh, um, you know, radio show every day and stuff like that. But he was really good at being an asshole in the ring. Um, and some people say that's because he is. Um, <laughs> but he really, like, when you watch him, when he choked guys, I mean, his suplexing is next level. <clears throat> he would throw suplexes that we would not see in America otherwise. Um, and he threw them safely. Guys did not get hurt on his suplexes. When guys got hurt, it's just they did stupid shit. Um, and, you know, they were messing around and whatever. But when Taz would grab you and suplex, you would be great. And he would lock the, the Kantash from Aon. Um, as somebody who has locked someone in a Taz mission before, and I have, for real, uh, had to do that to stop some idiocracy in college um, and actually choke someone out. Uh, yeah, it was bad. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, God, don't Jay will choke a bitch. Yeah, but well, no, I, but I, my my RA was being a fucking dick. They were drunk. They locked up. It's it's a, it's a lot of dumb shit. And all of a sudden, somebody gets locked in and in, in, in actually in a contage for me. But I actually, you know, grapevine the legs and did everything. And I started <laughs> squeezing it. And I truly learned it from watching Taz do it. Like I watched Taz, and like, oh my God, that's a real choke. And I watched what he was doing, and then I understood like the kind of the judo idea behind it and the like jujitsu idea and I locked it in and actually choked someone with it. Um, it is not a joke. I mean, when you watch the Coquina Clutch, which is what Samoa Joe's uh, submission hold is, that's not a joke either. That's a real choke hold. Uh, and I don't, I think we wouldn't have that. And I know Luke was joking. When did chokes become legal? Well, right. it's true. I mean. <laughs> but I'm saying is, I, I mean, we wouldn't have that without Taz kind of bringing that yeah. really there. Um, I think we, well, we wouldn't have any of the MMA stuff that is now commonplace because mm -hmm. I made the joke before tapping out in a wrestling match is because of Taz. Yes. You know, t t Taz's shirt said tap out his song. The first words were the, the, the team Taz yelling tap out mm -hmm. that the, the whole MMA gimmick that was Taz bringing that in. And then that was stolen shamelessly by WCW and WWF. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's like, I mean, as well, I mean, I got nothing against Ken Shamrock, but do you ever wonder why Ken Shamrock's working for Vince McMahon? It's because of Taz. Well, you know, I always thought it was kind of funny when they brought Ken Shamrock in, and 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 Ken Shamrock did wrestle uh, after he left Vince. He wrestled in Japan some, and he wrestled and for TNA. He was he was the NWA World Champion, all that stuff. Um, and when you when you saw that stuff, I mean, he Ken Shamrock was a built differently than Taz. He was a much taller yeah. guy in different river. Uh, they just, I don't think they ever knew what to do with him, but you notice they kept him around a long time. And yeah. one of the things that always happened with Ken Shamrock was, was that, I mean, he'd go out there and he'd look really good because you believed because he's a real MMA fighter that he could kill somebody, you know, if they really wanted to. Right. And I mean, so 
they always kept him employed. And, and the very funny story is the Montreal screw job when, when they're talking about, because you know, it's Bruce Pritchard and uh, Jim Cornette and all those different guys were all part of the, the booking committee. They go, well, Cornette finally said, just put fucking put Shamrock in the ring with him and tell him you either work or he'll, or he's going to hurt you to Sean or to, to Brett, excuse me. Right. Then they were like, Oh, I didn't want to do that. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, seriously, he's like, they kept him around probably longer than he should have been because they needed to have someone on the roster. They could say, can go in there and get that belt back. Okay. Yeah. They needed, he, they needed a hooker basically. Yeah. And, and the, 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 Oh no, the other, the other, no, they, I'm not, 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 not hooker in the modern context. I mean, hooker yes, in the yeah. old yeah. carny term, yeah. they needed a hooker, a guy go in there and hook a hold on somebody and break an arm if needed. Right. I mean, the, other, know, the, 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 the other, we, we all say shooter, but it used to be in the old traveling yeah, wrestling hooker. days, the hooker was a guy you had to fear. Yeah. The shooter could probably <laughs> mess you up, but the hooker would be the guy that would stretch you out. Yeah. So well, that was, that was the old, uh, what do you call stuff? That was when they talked about like Ed Strangler Lewis. He was a, he was a hooker. Uh, yeah. And, and Lou Fez talks about that very openly that Strangler Lewis, the reason why, I mean, he, he actually would, his sleeper, his stranglehold would be a work. Except if you weren't doing business, he choked the fuck out of you. And like, you know, I mean, I, I know we're kind of going old. I talk about like at the at Trangler Lewis, but when you had guys, and I'm not kidding, a guy like Carl Gotch was a shooter. Gotch was a real wrestler, could shoot, but they feared the hooker. You had to have a hooker in your group at all times. You always had a hooker on your, your carny thing, because if you had some, some big hillbilly bunking guy, all right, fine. Maybe you're, you would need a hooker in there because maybe that guy was so big, like, like a Haystack Calhoun big. Well, you call, okay, get in there. And then they would just, they would just grab a leg and break it. Or they would, you know, uh, you know, break your fingers or break your hand or choke you out. And that's what hooker did. And it's always found that funny that Ken Shamrock is that kind of guy, but they never called on him to do that. They had him there, but yet Taz being that guy in ECW, even he wasn't called upon to do that. And again, there's some talk about whether Taz is really a leader in the locker room or whatever, but considering, and again, I take this at, you know, at least from what I've heard, Taz was not one of the guys who partook in all of the activities backstage, so to speak. No, you know, you know, he was, he was one of the guys and that's why they didn't like him that much because he wasn't doing all the drugs and he wasn't drinking and not that he didn't party with them, but he definitely didn't do the stuff that like Sandman or Raven or whoever. And, and I'm, and I'm, I mean, I still love these guys as wrestlers, but I know the shit they were doing backstage, you know, kind of thing that made Taz kind of different. And if guys were out of line, Taz put him back in line and you look at Taz, he's, he's not a big dude. I stood next to the man in wrestling. I'm tall than him and I'm not tall. You know, I mean, like, I'm like Triple H stood next to me at a wrestling show. I was like, holy shit. I felt so yeah. tiny. <laughs> and this is, this is, this is before he became the game Triple H. This was Triple H in DX when we had the sign that said ass. Yeah. Right. Um, he's standing right next to me. Shawn Michaels is a big dude too. Uh, but Triple H is standing there and I'm like, oh my God. Like he is humongously big. <laughs> and that's when he wasn't even all cut up, you know, Triple H. I stood next to Taz. I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I mean, Taz looks like he looks like someone you wouldn't want to mess with. He looks dangerous as someone who would hurt you, but he certainly didn't look like, wow, look at that fucking guy, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't like you were sitting there with Mike, Mike Awesome walk. Mike Awesome was, you remember how big Mike Awesome was? Yeah. He come oh, and you're yeah. like, holy shit, look at this guy. Like, <laughs> look at this fucking guy, you know, kind of thing. So, 
<laughs> Another victim of WCW booking. Oh, my God. Mike Awesome. That's but, um, Yeah. What was your other submission hold you had? Oh, the other one I had the, the other one on there, of course, Ric Flair's figure four. Figure four. Um, it's really not a very good finisher, um, unless you're a job guy, because I don't remember him winning any world titles with it. Right? <laughs> um, no. And I am a huge Ric Flair fan. I love Ric Flair. And Luke I mean, Luke knows this. I mean not you know, woo walking around. My my daughter does woo, she struts I me. Mean, she she loves Ric Flair and she only knows him as the old man. We watch old <laughs> wrestling. She's like, Dad, look how young Ric Flair is. I'm like, I know. No. You know, it's Charlotte's dad. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 she definitely would not say that. No, like, I know that, but I'm just um, saying most people today mostly know Ric Flair yeah. and Charlotte's dad. So, but his figure four leg lock was just—I mean, it was so cool to see him put it on, and then yeah. like you know, because you saw—I mean, Greg Dammer Valentine put a used figure four leg lock also, and he never beat anybody with it except knob yeah. guys, right? Um, and then you know, but Ric Flair's figure four was just like. Yeah, because he would he would go for it, and like, it was like they put it over Bob Cottle and like Jim Ross and uh, Gordon. So they put over the figure like, oh no, the figure fuck will break his leg. Like you were like, he's gonna break his leg. He's gonna break Sting's leg. Like he won't break Sting's leg. And the problem was, every, well, because Sting knew the counter. Well, so. if you only watched WWF, you didn't know there was a counter unless you put a. a the hammer jammer on your leg. The hammer jammer, yeah. Ronnie Garvin did. You didn't <laughs> know you could roll it over and reverse the pressure. Now, yeah. I'm going to tell a story here because the figure four leg lock, and you're thinking, like, that's a bullshit move. The figure four leg lock, when applied, oh, and yeah. you squeeze your leg, actually really hurts. Here's yeah. why. Kelly, back in the day, which is when we were engaged or whatever, we were watching wrestling, and, and we were joking around in her living room, and her dad's there watching wrestling with us. We used to watch wrestling all the time with her. Her mom would shockingly not want to watch with us. Kelly goes, I'm going to put you in the figure four. And she wraps her legs into the figure four, and she doesn't know what she's doing. She thinks she knows. She wrapped the legs around backwards and locked it in, and then started squeezing and started screaming. And I go, what? They go, Kelly, you have this on backwards. She had applied the figure four to herself. <laughs> and I said... Wait, wait, wait. Turn it over. It's a counter. She goes, there is? I go, yeah. And she turns it over. Now, the thing is, Kelly is very short and doesn't have nearly the leg strength that I do. But she starts squeezing, and it hurts when you flip it over because the pressure's now reversed. <laughs> the funny part about this is, is that people think, I can't really hurt. A figure four leg lock, when applied properly, can break your shin bone. They pretty much any any professional wrestling move applied properly is gonna. No, I have a list of ones that will not. uh, But that's for later. The other one that comes to mind when you think of a submission move that's not used, AJ Styles used what's called a calf cutter or calf crusher. It's really a calf cutter. If you take just take two fingers, put them in behind your calf, put them right uh, right in, in the joint there. And have and pull beyond the point of like like where it's normally. Cut. It will hurt a lot if you take two fingers, just two. You know, what put, see if you put your whole leg there and you go across it, it actually hurts a ton on your leg. If you put two, even just two fingers in the joint of your elbow, and then force your elbow all the way closed, it kills. And I'm like, why does that hurt so much? Because it's a pressure point. We yeah. people are like ah, that move can't hurt. AJ has got his leg. He's bending your leg across it. I'll look at the wall. I know that hurts. 
So the only I'm sorry, all that makes me think of is when Mick Foley debuted on Monday Night Raw as Mankind and won his match with the mandible claw. Yeah. And I'm talking to Bob and the next day and he says he says, Luke, I guarantee you millions of people across the world took their two fingers and shoved them underneath their tongue to see if that really hurt. And it does. It does. <laughs> the, the mandible claw, if you get the mandible claw, see, you, but you have to get the whole claw on. You just can't put the two fingers in. You have to get the bottom, the, the, the under yeah. the chin thumb lock to it. Yeah. That's an actual uh, technique. It's a nerve hold. I mean, it's an actual it's, nerve hold technique um, that they teach in self-defense and stuff. If the person's trying to get, and you can get your fingers into their mouth and lock underneath because underneath their chin, you get, you, if you get to the side, the pressure point, you push down on that pressure, push up another one, They and you pull down as hard as you can as you're pushing, they cannot get away. I mean, it hurt. Well, I, like I said, the Bob said this, and sure enough, I had done it. Bob <laughs> had done it, you know. <laughs> so I was like, that seems, seems legit, right? You yeah. know? <laughs> so, oh, man. Oh, sorry. I, I know I kind of threw a couple in there. Those were the, those right. were the, those were the, the um, submission ones. Uh, um I just want to throw. I've got. Do you, you have, you have more? I mean, I'm just thinking here. I'm just looking. I've got. I've, I've got. I've got one that I want to get to as a singles one. I've got some tag teams. I have tag also. team ones too. I just want. Okay, let me just throw this out real quick because I think these. I think we all can agree on these. Randy Savage flying elbow drop. Yes, naturally phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> just phenomenal. And and let me tell you right now. I mean, I've seen him throw it where you can tell it doesn't hurt the guy, and then we yeah. saw him throw it in WCW. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it hurts. Uh, it hurts. Um, the other ones on here um, was okay. Just the idea of a power bomb, and and right. if you say power bomb, who's the first name that comes to mind? Chris, who do you think of? I say power bomb. Who do you think of? Uh, shit. We'll come <laughs> back to you, Luke. <laughs> I, I normally think of Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious. Who I normally right. think of yeah. Okay, who's the other guy with the power bomb? Big Van Vader. Big Van Vader. Remember yeah. the first time you saw Sid throw a power bomb? I mean, again. I don't know how much WCW you watch, Chris, but Luke and I watched WCW. More of the 90s than the 80s. Right. When you yeah. saw Sid pick some up and throw a powerbomb, you were like, in WCW, you are like, oh, man, I think he killed that guy. Like, he just <laughs> he looked so painful. Then you saw Vader throw a powerbomb. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's the same move, but totally different. And Sid's was he got you way up in the air, and you're coming down, and it's a long way down yeah. to the ground. Yeah. Vader threw you into the ground vader's powerbomb was just mean like it wasn't everything like, but everything vader well, did looked like it hurt how about vader's moonsault right yeah that's a that's a fat ass moonsault that's right there vader's yeah, moonsault the only person who threw a moonsault like vader i think it was bam bam bigelow they, yeah B bigelow and vader were a tag team in japan imagine yes. that coming at you right <laughs> I'd rather not. Yeah, what what could you say when Vader's the normal one? Right. <laughs> when Vader's the normal guy with the compared to the former bounty hunter with tattoos on his head. Nice guy, Bob. God, we, Very nice guy, Bam. Oh, Bam Bam was a was a was a complete gentleman when yes. we met him. He yes. was awesome. Yeah. Because every we, we was at that same show where he fought Jimmy Stuckey. He's trying to talk on the payphone. Everybody's giving him grief. Yeah. And we just caught him walking. We said, "Hey, Bam Bam, God, you know, have a good show out there tonight." But he's like, "Hey, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> thanks for coming out." You know, he's like, "I'm on really the phone, cool dude." He's on the phone. Everyone's like, "Leave him." Like, "I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone." And we can't <laughs> wait. He's done. We're like, hey, "Have a good show." He's like, "All right, you know, like." But so I'm just saying the idea of a power bomb. The first time we ever saw someone throw a power. Now again, this before the internet and stuff like that. Nowadays, yeah. power bombs. Everyone throws power bombs. Like you know, everyone. I mean, it happens. But when you first saw Vader pick him up and throw a power bomb, you're like, well, that's a lot of distance to that ground. It's impressive. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen 
Sid Vicious powerbomb people in person. It's impressive still, even at this time. Um, but it's, you know, Vader's powerbomb, just mean, mean yeah. powerbombs. <laughs> the Vader bomb in the corner was mean because, you know, Leon didn't wash his tights, so it's gross. Yeah. And um, the, the, uh, the, the corner rush, the punches. Yeah. I, those, at least you had a shot to get your hands up, maybe. But when he's just Vader splashed you, you where are you going? Yeah. Where are you going? <laughs> I'm going to go take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> that was Vader later. Vader line of all time. <laughs> I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> so, uh, the, talk, talking about guys big in Japan, uh, I've got two that, that um, they form kind of the, um, um, like, a, like, a, like a first generation, second generation thing to me. Um, in, in A big move in Japan that is kind of a non, like a, a throwaway move in the United States is what we call a back suplex, what's called a backdrop. In Japan, yeah. backdrop is a highly respected move because it is extremely dangerous for a move that is thrown with used to be. You don't see it anymore because of potential for injury, especially after the death of Mitsuharu Masawa. Yes, is because um, Mitsuharu Masawa died after taking a backdrop in in Japan. Um, but uh, a move that again very common in the U.S. at one time, but was a finishing move in Japan, and who threw the best backdrop my in my opinion was Jumbo Saruta. Oh yeah, who died way before his time. Well, he was sick. But Jumbo. Yeah, he he was he didn't die from a uh, uh, injury or anything. I mean, that he, he was um, he was sick, but Jumbo Saruto threw a beautiful a beautiful backdrop, and he would do it where he would release it. He could do it where he could bridge it into a pin, but his backdrop is a thing of beauty, and I do like a well thrown backdrop. Now, let's push the time forward ahead to after uh, Saruta is uh, is is no longer with us. One of the guys that he teamed with early in this later in this other guy's career is Akira Tawe, mm -hmm. one of the heavenly four of all japan and one of the guys who went over to noah and was one of the uh, global honor champion the top champion in noah uh, at one time uh Taui's finisher traditionally was a choke slam uh, nono adashi is what it's called in in japan and he did he would do a choke slam where he would go and like go down to one knee it was like a real it looked like a judo throw when he would do it it wasn't like you know the big show who does this big gigantic choke slam but he has two variations of that. One of them is called the Chaichubu Cement. And Chaichubu Cement is named after the district where Taue grew up, which is known for making cement, appropriately enough. Mm. So Ch Chaichubu Cement is a delayed vertical suplex where he holds you up in the vertical suplex and then reaches his hand up into a chokeslam and chokeslams you from the suplex. Oh, shit. Dude, it's no joke. It's Chaichubu Cement no is pretty joke. awesome. Now, Chaichubu Cement, like I said, pretty awesome. The one that's even that came after Chaichubu Cement and is more rare is called Orega Tawe, which translates to I am Tawe. And that is, he picks you up for a backdrop and then choke slams you. Yes. So it's like, it sounds really simple. It looks like frigging balls because it's crazy. Yeah. It's so cool looking when he does it, and he doesn't break it out very often. But I remember when Jay got me. When Jay came to visit me after uh, my oldest son was born, he brought a PlayStation 2 with him and a copy of Fire Pro Wrestling Returns. So, of course, the first guy I play as, because it's Fire Pro, is Akira Tawe. And I'm desperately trying to figure out if Orega Tawe is in this game. And when I found it, I was I was very, very happy. <laughs> but, yeah, just yeah, so nice. it's, it's like a it's it's a back, just to hold him up in the backdrop, get the hand up there, and bam, with the chokes like Yeah, You know, it's like, and, and it's... Because, I will say this, Origatawe is probably a safer move than a typical backdrop because you're not falling back, you're pushing down, uh, so it's a shoulder bump rather than a neck and head bump. Mm -hmm. But it's still... It's, it, it's looks, it looks more painful, though. 
it looks it, yeah. it looks really cool, and it's a great move for a guy like that, a guy like Tawei who's now retired now, but made a name for himself using the choke slam, and it was just such a, a combination of a, a very revered, dangerous move with his choke slam. So that was one I wanted to mention mm-hmm. as my sure. uh, just a singles one, and to keep the Puroessa thing going. Yeah. Here so Chubu got- Cement is also in Fire Pro Wrestling Return, yes. and that is also cool as yes. hell. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. In general, um, I want to go with uh, what's called a cutter, uh, but now it's uh, everybody's been using it. Um, the first time I really remember seeing it was with Diamond Dallas Page doing the Diamond Cutter. I know that Laurenitis, I know Laurenitis did it earlier as uh, as Johnny Ace, but uh, when I was watching wrestling, it was DDP. And again, if you're talking about a move that was going to get an immense crowd reaction that looked great, uh, you know, and it was oh my god, he just he he landed the Diamond Cutter. It's got to be over. DDP's Diamond Cutter, man, and yeah. who it, you know for. At the you know uh, we do love the bad guys but you know DDP was a great face because um, yes. just the the sheer amount of energy and fun that you could tell he was having and uh, he was no spring chicken really when he got started either <laughs> so it's uh, it was not, it's it's nice to see an old guy being able to uh, to pull that what is that three quarter cross three quarter face. bulldog yeah three quarter bulldog, bulldog yeah 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 it's a uh, it's a thing of beauty pull up on YouTube just watch a just watch a montage of of the diamond cutter well, and again that yeah, would yeah. eventually morph into uh the um you know the, the sto- rko the rko yeah uh, the, the rko okay well no the, the stunner the stunner is 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 different the uh um, than the the cutter but okay, the, the thing that i always loved about the rko is kind of the the most direct descendant yeah of the diamond cutter and you know they, they kind of had this thing the rko out of nowhere yes, you know but diamond dallas page <clears throat> could hit that diamond cutter out of absolutely Anywhere. any position anywhere and and it didn't and it didn't look fake like when orton hits it when whoever's doing the shooting star press <laughs> and he hits it like jumping up and doing it from his knees okay the one that i'll always remember i forget who it was against but he again it was it was it was a setup out of a back a, a backdrop a back suplex and di- and all six foot eight of Diamond Dallas Page got himself over the top of whoever he was fighting, turned around into the diamond cutter out of a back suplex. That is impressive. That is impressive mm-hmm. for a guy his size, especially. No, I mean, my, you know, my wife, she always would complain we were watching wrestling, usually while she was studying and I was watching Nitro, that, uh, you know, like, there's too many two counts. You never, I mean, they, they, why do they even go for a pin? Because... They're, they're never going to win a match until they hit the finishing move. And then Diamond Dallas Page will be on, and that move can come anytime. <laughs> yeah. and, they, and they booked it really well and made the Diamond Cutter so feared as this one-hit killer yeah. that, you know, anybody ate the Diamond Cutter. They were done. Yeah. I, didn't care who, I didn't care if you were Randy Savage or whoever you were. You ate that the Cutter, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, the thing with the, the, the Diamond Cutter is, in fact, different than the Stunner. Uh, in fact, the Ace Crusher, Johnny, Johnny Ace's move, the Ace Crusher... That is closer to the stunner than it is to the diamond cutter, because the 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 the, the stone cold stunner is the you know it's it's again it's the reverse bulldog uh, uh, jawbreaker. Yeah. When you drop down, Austin never tried to grab guys on the side. He always got guys by their head, and they would come down on his shoulder, and he would always take a butt bump. And he, yeah. he straight up butt bumped it. DDP's whole idea was to, like in a bulldog, he would take a, a back bump out of it, right? And what made it that's what made it so different we were like oh it's the same as steve austin we were like no it's not 
the, the stunner can come at stunner. He had to kick you in the gut, bend you over, and grab you and drop you into it. The diamond cutter, my one of my favorite diamond cutters of all time, is when Hall and Nash are in the ring and they hand DDP the the, the yes. NWO shirt, and the crowd is just shitting on it. They're like, "No, not DDP!" <laughs> and he grabs Scott Hall's hand, and this is and this is this is all Scott Hall saying, oh, "Dude, give me the cutter here. It makes perfect sense." I know people shit on Scott Hall for whatever his personal demons might be and whatever else kind of thing, but Scott Hall actually he has a good mind for the business. Oh yeah, it just his body wasn't working for him, and thank God you know he's able to you know get himself back to a point where he can get himself clean and get himself working again. But um, when when he he's holding on to Scott Hall's hand and Hall goes to turn and he just pulls him in and you're like, what is he going to get a hug? Diamond cutter, and it's just the <laughs> crowd goes. Ballistic. I, I definitely. I'm trying to think. I, I, I mean, I'm trying, I definitely saw it happen because I always watched. Oh WCW. yeah, we watched that live on but, Nitro. Yeah. We, I don't know if we were, I, I, I don't know if we were at home or if I was at college. No, I, I want to say no. And, and and at that point, because that was 19. That was that was the fall of 96. So you, were, I, I want to say you, you were at, no, you were at you were a freshman in college. I was a sophomore in high school, or excuse me, junior, junior in high school yeah. at that point. Yeah. So that was yeah that we were we were. We didn't watch it together. All I know is when he hits it, I jumped up. I mean, for me to get excited, I mean, I love wrestling, but for me to get excited about something, I mean, okay, it, it wasn't Andre ripping the cross off of Hogan, but, <laughs> you know, okay, but what is, you know what I'm saying? So it just it was like, oh my God, because because I didn't see it coming. I yeah. I should have seen it coming. And people were like, oh, I saw that going to happen. I'm like, no, no, because NWO was taking over everything at the time. Everything. Now, I think that was yeah. later than 96. It doesn't matter. The whole point is, when when that happens, when he hits the diamond cutter on him, and the and he's like, you know, and, and you hear self high five, and you're like, man, Paige Falkenberg, you son of a bitch, I love ya, you know. Kind of thing. One of the greatest moments in Nitro history: the world champion is Bill Goldberg, the United States heavyweight champion is Diamond Dallas Page, the cruiserweight champion is Billy Kidman. Russia Shana falls on a Monday. None of their top three singles champions are there. <laughs> they can't wrestle. That is a shoot. I yeah. swear to God. They're like, we got some great action for you tonight. It's like Bill Goldberg, not with us tonight. It's like Diamond Dallas Page, not with us. And I was like, what the heck? It's like all the Jews. Like they're all the champions. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Diamond Dallas Falkenberg. Shockingly, Disco Inferno didn't show up that night. Anyway. Oh, well, uh, well yeah. Glenn Gilbert, don't, don't mess yeah. with the Inferno. No. But yeah, Diamond Cutter, dude. I mean. Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, um, people, I, I guess that now people would say, oh, the RKO, like, yeah, there is no RKO much. without the diamond cutter. Exactly. Like, let's be honest, there's no, I mean, yeah. it just doesn't happen. The, 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 the RKO is not being born out of the stunner. It's a different move. It's, it's yeah. delivered differently. It's just, I mean, there, there's that whole, all those memes that go around that like, you know, RKO anywhere. It's like. You know, a lady nowhere, and like a lady falls, and like someone puts in a, like him coming in on RKO. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's always funny, but it's like, uh, Diamond Dallas Page did that. I it, saw one of those with the Shockmaster. That one was actually really good. Yeah, uh, someone, someone did. Uh, one of the, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member of a Remco uh, group. They, they do guys who do repaints of Remco figures and stuff. Like I, I did a repaint of a. Um, of a, a road warrior uh, hawk, and I turned it into the barbarian, uh, the, the uh, warlord. You know, I, mm. I split the color of the hair, repainted the face, did the whole thing. 
one of the guys did a shock master and he goes like the shock master and it's two pictures and he shows him standing up and then shows him displaying the face. And I was like <laughs> and everyone's like, Oh, that's too easy. I'm like, that's funny, dude. I don't care what that's, you say. That's no, funny. Really, I don't care. It's funny right there. It's funny right there. I don't care who you are. That is funny right there. So. Oh <laughs> man. Hero, do you have any others on your list there? Before we get there. Uh, I, I think I covered all my high points actually. Uh, it would be I mean, we hit the Undertaker, we hit uh, DDP, we hit Randy Savage. Um, I mean, I, I want to say Hogan's atomic leg drop, but it's like mm. I can't now because he just kept doing it way too friggin' long. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Hogan. I love you. You you were great yeah. in the '80s. You were even great when you went when you went heel. It was amazing. One of the best heel turns ever. Uh, I I guess the sharpshooter. You know, it's yeah. I mean, if you're gonna yeah, the sharpshooter and and, and, this, and it's you know. The other variation being the Scorpion Deathlock, because they are different than each other. When I um, get you in my Scorpion Deathlock, you'll never get out. Oh, my God. Me and my friends, we had the freaking microphone. They had all the, had all the catchphrases recorded oh, yeah. on it. <laughs> and that was, that was things. And it was like, could you put any less emotion into it, thing? Yeah. I mean, the thing with the Sharpshooter <laughs> and the Scorpion Deathlock, because they are, they're just the same thing. There's, I mean, there's slight variation of how deep you sit into it. Um, yeah. The other one, the other variation of being the Texas Cloverleaf, which was Dean Malenko used. I that's love. Don't put your. That's yeah, why you don't, don't put, put your leg put your in. Hands. Uh, yeah. I mean, Luke has had the Texas Cloverleaf applied to him many a time, um, <laughs> because anytime, I, anytime I put on the Scorpion Deathlock, Luke knew the counter, um, and then would have an ankle lock hooked on me, and I'm like, well, we're not. We're just going to fall into double ankle locks, and that's not going to help. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so double ankle locks on the kitchen floor, as we called it Thursday. Yeah. Um, it was not unheard of for Luke for because uh, Luke actually caught me in a bow and arrow once, um, which was impressive. Uh, that was, I don't know how I did Because he got really me up was. in the bow and arrow, and I was like, oh, shit, he really has me in a real bow and arrow. Um, <laughs> FYI, it hurts a lot. And if your brother has hands the size of my brother's hands around your throat, he does choke you. Uh, so <laughs> don't try that at home. Um, so he got – Luke Luke was iron clawed more than anything else. And I do love the iron <laughs> claw from the Byron Erics, but let's be honest, that's not a great finisher. No. Um, it just was really cool to see you squeezing someone's head. Uh, but – Luke has been caught in a Texas Cloverleaf before. Uh, and if I can get the Texas Cloverleaf all the way on, he'll attest to it. It does hurt a lot. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts, especially when you have a weight advantage like I did, and I could sit back on it. It oh. would hurt your leg, but I also would be breaking your spine. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I think I got, I think, I think we were able to lock, uh, I think I was able to lock Luke in the Scorpion one time before he realized I could just ankle lock the shit out of him every time and then get out of it. <laughs> So, um, you know, just saying the, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, that those variations on that, the, the idea that the, they, they do hurt. I mean, basically it's a standing figure four, like it's, it's like an inverted standing figure four, like what you're doing. Cause you are yeah. barring the leg across the other leg and putting pressure. But unlike a figure four, if you sit back on it, if you really wrench the leg and sit back, the way Bret Hart would do a couple of times there in some of those matches against uh, Diesel, it's got to be killing his back. I mean, because you know you're just bending your spine the wrong way, you know. And if you're an old man like Kevin Nash, you know you just can't bend that. <laughs> so, yeah, I call uh, Kevin Nash. It happens. Now, speaking <laughs> of bending, then I guess I'll throw in one of my one of my other favorites. Uh, it, it's tough not to to get a big pop out of out of Sweet Chin music. Uh, the super kick is amazing. Just I, I know it's. It, it, <laughs> 
it's not probably well, the hardest thing to do. <laughs> um, yeah, but well, it just it looks it, it looks great if if the if the other guy is selling it the right way. Well, gentleman Chris Adams threw an amazing super kick. Uh, I mean, Chris Adams super kick actually looked like it hurt. But the best super kick, I think. Well, I mean, and again, Sweet Chin Music is is its own thing. It's taking its own thing. Lance Storm throws an amazing super kick. Yeah, I think Luke can agree with. That. I mean, and he and they said he and he never he he he's so light on the super. See, Michaels would catch guys sometimes. Like he would throw yeah. the super kick. Yeah, he would he would take care of you well, except he didn't take care of you. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the main I mean the main thing with the super kick. Now, I I will agree as much a, as I dislike Shawn Michaels. The, the sweet chin music was again a great finisher for him because he was always fighting guys bigger than yes. him. Yes, yeah. He was fighting Diesel or Sid or the British Bulldog or Vader. He was fighting guys bigger than him, so he needed a move that he could legitimately hit them with and knock them out. Yeah. And sweet chin music was that move ever since he put Marty Jannetty through a window. Yes. You know, so <laughs> which we saw happen as it happened, and that was awesome—the greatest thing Michaels and Jannetty ever did. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about the problem I have with the super kick, I talked about this earlier in the show, is a group like the Young Bucks and everyone else in Bullet Club will spam the hell out of super kicks and everyone does because the crowd wants to just yell super kick and yell super kick party. And it's like, it's, but, and the problem is, it's cool. At a live show, it's a lot of fun to see them super kick people 15 times yeah. and yell super kick every time. But it, it detracts from what it actually is. Have yeah. they ever won a match with the super no. kicks? No. No. They they do the uh, you know the what do they call it? Or the bang for your buck. Oh, greetings from Uncle Dave. You There's know, that the one too. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. Or, or they, more they, bang they, for your buck, where they go and it's yeah. just like all that series of moves and stuff. I mean, Haley does that. And when we play Couch Wrestling Federation, there are times when I'm like super kick. She's like, oh no, Daddy, a super kick party, and then everyone gets super kicked. Guys come out of the back to get super kicked. Guys get super kicked <laughs> everywhere. She brings it. She, she just takes guys out of the bin. Super kick. Super kick. She just does it, and she's like, it's so funny. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it, it, to me, it, it, it takes it takes so much away from what is a, a essentially a really good finisher for a smaller guy working yeah. as a babyface champion like that. Yeah. You know, so I agree with you, Chris. Like I said, I don't. I like the swing cheat, cheat music for Michaels. I just don't like what the super kick has now become. Yeah, I, I completely that, agree. If that gets me, if that gets me in trouble on the internet, you know, it won't be the first time that my <laughs> yeah. opinions get me in trouble. <laughs> oh, on the fuck the internet! <laughs> all right, so um, I have some tag team ones, and I have some of the worst ones of all time. Um, I, maybe we should mention just one last one. How about George Hackenschmidt's Russian bear hug? No? Oh. Yeah. How many guys did he beat with that? I mean, Jesus. Well, think about this. Think about, like, you're talking about wrestling was like an two hours long and there was no fall to Sky Rolling around. It was a bear hug with a twist. Like, he, yeah. He would bear hug you and twist you to the side. Can you, and George Hackenschmidt was a, was a large gentleman, right? Can you imagine? Fire, man. Right? Especially since he was wrestling guys who were these, like, whatever. They, they were all real wrestlers. He would grab you and twist you. And that was it. And guys gave up because it really hurt. I'm like, the other finishers back in the day were a headlock or a body scissor or a chokehold. Okay. The only, the only, the only move I think. Armbar. Armbar. <laughs> Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan spinning toehold. Armbar. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. All right. So let's do some tag teams. So. Um, to me, the greatest tag team uh, finisher of all time, easily the Doomsday Device, the Road Warriors, uh, often yeah. imitated, never duplicated. I know that I know the Briscoe brothers do it. 
um, as homage to Road Warriors. And it's pretty crazy when you see Jay and Mark do it. Um, the Road Warriors Doomsday Device is insane. Just oh, absolutely. Doomsday Device is classic. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, the one that... Yeah, the one that I put with that for that era—it's mm-hmm. not as impressive physically, but I still loved it. The demolition decapitation, yeah, which was kind of the WWF version of the yes. Doomsday Device because demolition was kind of the WWF version of the Road Warriors. Yeah. So that made sense. <laughs> um, you know, if you think about that era, um, a couple others from that era that were really—and I got some other ones that are more recent. But the, the 3D drop. The, well, that was Dudley, Dudley Death three, Drop. The Dudley Death Drop is insane. We've seen it done in person. And just like the Diamond Cutter, like, you'd be going along and all of a sudden, like, you just you just see them come in. I mean, I don't mean through a table because they, they, now it's always through a table or whatever. It would just happen out of nowhere. You're like, yeah. and, Big, and Big Bubba Dudley is a huge gentleman. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, um, the one I was thinking of around that same time. Well, though, I'm sorry, though, but real quick about the, the, the 3D. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dudley Death Drop. I've, I mean, the thing to me is you talk about Big uh, Bubba Ray Dudley is not a, not a small dude. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them do it where Devon will whip the guy into the ropes. D- Bubba's not even in the ring. Yes, yes. When they start it, and he can get in, slide under the rope, get in, hit the 3D, and get the pin. Yes. Oh, man, the Dudley Death Drop was yeah. classic ECW. Yeah. Um, and and you know again to go a little to go back a little bit before that the heart attack, uh, heart attack. I think I mean I think everyone's like wow what an easy thing uh, you know Neidhart's got him up Bret Hart hits the rope hit the other rope clothesline um, you know uh, if we're talking that timeline uh, and again the Road Warriors Doomsday Device often imitated you know the perfect uh, I mean. As Luke mentioned, the demolition version of it, the much demolition safer version, right? Yeah. <laughs> How about the the Steinerizer, right? The, yeah. Where he puts him up on his shoulder and then Rick Steiner bulldogs you off the top rope. Like, <laughs> did he break? Did he break uh, Buff Bagwell's neck? I doing think that? so. I mean, yeah. It's it, you just watch people just like, oh my god, don't die. You know, uh, just sing the little song. Don't die. Don't die. Don't die. Don't die. Fish the rock. Um, um, you know the, the the classic is um, you know the the rocket launcher by the Midnight Express. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, and when Enzo and Cass do it, it's a lot of fun. Obviously, they don't do it anymore. Yeah. When the Big Show did it to Cass, it was did it to Enzo. It was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> when he but, just, just picked him up and pressed him down on the guy yeah. instead. <laughs> well, didn't didn't Big Show do that with Rey Mysterio also or something? Like yes, that? used to do it with Rey yeah. Mysterio all the time. He'd launch him across the damn ring. Yeah. I mean, the, but the thing was uh, when when the Midnight's did it. Like those are two regular sized guys. It just was a right, yeah. cool thing. But Bobby is amazing, uh, so you know. Yeah, one from the one from the '90s. One of my all time favorites. You talk about a, a, a team that you talk about the Midnight Express. A team that to me was always the modern version of the Midnight Express for the way they did double team moves. The stage dive by the Headbangers. Yeah, which was a power bomb and a and a guillotine leg drop. Yes. It had to be timed so well. But they nailed it every time. And the, I mean, they did a lot of the tag team moves like that. They were very much from the uh, the, the Midnight Express mold for the way that they worked matches. But obviously they physically were a lot different and looked a lot different. They also had one of my favorite just all-time, not a finisher, but they used to do Johnny on the Pony. Yes. Where, yeah. you know, uh, Mosh would hang, him, hang the guy over the ropes, and then Thrasher would jump over him and do the, the Johnny on the Pony, um, hit him with the butt bump. The, uh, and my uh, my favorite tag team finisher today, going on right now, is uh, our, the ROH, former ROH tag team champions, War Machine, Rowan Hansen. 
their fallout, mm-hmm. which is a belly-to-back suplex with the giant with the leg drop off the top. And you want to talk about two big ass dudes? Yeah. Rowan Hansen are two big meaty dudes. It's like okay, I mean, you, again, maybe you don't watch ROH. It's like Braun Strowman had a brother <laughs> that looks exactly the same as him, and they're a tag team. Yes. Only they move a lot better than Braun Strowman. Yes. <clears throat> uh, War Machine. Every time I see them, they are the most. Them and the Beer City Bruiser are the three guys that don't make sense on the ROH roster. If you go to an ROH they show. They don't, yeah. They, they don't. I mean, they Moose don't. is not there anymore. Moose used to be the same way. But they are just, they look like they stepped out of WCW circa 1992. Yeah. <laughs> you know, two big, not good looking, not great shape white dudes that will just slam and suplex you all night long. Yeah. And But their fallout, I've seen it live a couple of times. That is impressive. That is some big meat throwing that big back suplex and leg drop combo. Good stuff. So how about the uh, total elimination by the Eliminator? Total elimination! Yeah. <laughs> of course, only... Uh, total elimination! As Joey Styles used to call it. <laughs> Uh-oh. And again, a simple, you know, just a high-low type thing, but again, their timing was so perfect. Yeah. You know, and they bend dudes in half with it all the time. Yeah. Oh, it's just great, you know what I'm saying? Like, just... Uh, I mean... One one that I think people forgot about uh, when Arn and Tully came over, they did a spike pile driver. And, yes, pile driver. And, and again, <laughs> such a simple move, but how how many was the pile driver banned and a spike yeah. driver? Oh my god! And that was their finisher. I don't remember anyone kicking out from the spike pile driver. Nobody picks no. up the spike pile driver. No, 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 no. When your head goes into the concrete, you ain't going <laughs> yeah, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the law, man. Yeah. You know. <laughs> no. I had some more, some newer ones, I should say. Uh, new. How about the DWI by Beer Money? Mm. You know, I mean, Beer Money, I, I know people may not like, oh, well, I mean, Bobby Roode, I like Bobby Roode. And him and Storm together were always good. Um, you know, the the uh, they, that was, again, a TNA one. Um, yeah. Right now, uh, I would say the forces of nature, the one done by the American Wolves or the Wolves, as they call themselves, they now they split up. Where it's like all the top ropes into the knees is impressive. Um, how about well, the Magic Killer? Is, yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. The Magic Killer is very much in that yeah, same by idea. The Bullet Club, Bullet which Club. is you know just uh, and and the Boot of Doom, which is not a finisher, but you know just the the Magic Killer. You know, you're. I mean, I don't think anyone's kicked out of not that yet. since they came over. And they they did it twice in a in an elimination tag match and pinned a team yeah. pinned two teams with it. So, so Ooh, in, in man, Gallows and Anderson are awesome. I, I had I actually did have the Gallows pull on my list as my as my favorite current singles finishing move. I love the Gallows pull. Yeah. Every time he breaks it, I saw him hit Roman Reigns with that live. I lost my fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one in the arena cheering for Luke Gallows. Half the crowd is cheering for Roman Reigns. Half the crowd is booing Roman Reigns. I am cheering for Luke Gallows. Yeah. So, <laughs> so but wh- yeah, no, the ma- Magic Killer is this boss, man. One of the other ones that I would uh, put over here. How about Made in Detroit by the Motor City Machine Guns? Uh, yeah. Just crazy Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley stuff. Um, to me, if we're talking about, I mean, I, I do like the Magic Killer, but my favorite current tag team finisher is the Shatter Machine. That's the Revival's finisher. Um, Again, if you haven't seen a lot of revival stuff, you have to go watch, go back and watch your old NXT because they don't actually wrestle on TV anymore. Because hey, we brought them up to just let not let them wrestle. Um, they're just they. It's such an old school kind of move. They do. It's, it, it takes a lot of timing. That's what I think. Um, when 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 you see finishers that take a lot of timing to get yeah. there, let's what Luke was talking about with the 3D. It, 
it just is really impressive. It's just really impressive when you have to take, you know, it's three guys in motion, things happening at the right time. Otherwise, it looks like crap. And it just, and they pull it off, it looks so good. You know, well, that, so. that's like, you know, um, the team of uh, uh, Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels, whether you call them the addiction or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them. Bad attitude. You know, they have their move called Celebrity Rehab, mm-hmm. which is where Kaz <laughs> does the release belly to back. And Daniels hits him with the uh, with the face crusher with the mm-hmm. double knee face breaker, and so it's like again he's got to release him, and then Daniels has got to grab him and time it. You yep. know, I mean it's 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 real. I mean and those two guys are just two two old pros at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, but man, that's another one. This looks so cool when you see that live. Yeah, the two of them. They they if you didn't know they were wrestlers, you would not give them a second look. Nope. And they are they are just two of the coolest dudes, man. They are too cool for school. I love Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels. Mm-hmm. So, other you have other ones because I have a, a bunch of really bad ones. So. Oh, let's talk. Why don't you talk about a couple bad ones? Why not? Okay, I will save the worst for last, or should I go first with that one? No, no, worst, no. worst for last, worst for last, worst okay. for last. Okay, so a really, really bad one is Big E. His finisher is called the Big Ending. He puts you on his shoulder and then he drops to his butt and you fall off his shoulder. Wow, yeah. that's thrilling. I mean, I, I guess it's like a, a stomach stunner. <laughs> well, it's well, it's it's kind of like uh, what do you call it the uh, the rack attack, you know? Except it doesn't look like it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I mean the rack yeah. attack. You put the rack and then you dr- a rack drop. Yeah. You know, a rack drop looks like it hurts because yeah. you're bending in half. Yeah. This looks like oh okay now I'm on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so everything everything Big E does is is kind of a waste uh, as far as I'm concerned. I mean I I mean I understand we're all supposed to love them because we're all supposed to love the new day, but it's like sorry guys they still suck. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how else to say that. I mean I like. I, I mean, I, I like Xavier Woods. I liked him as Consequences Creed and Austin Creed back in TNA and then even earlier in NWA Anarchy. I, I got a lot of respect for Kofi Kingston, but eh, uh, I'm not I, feeling it. I, yeah. I wish I wish Kofi had gone over more. He, he, I, I, I had his father at BC. <laughs> what did he teach? Oh, geez, I don't even remember. <laughs> Was it like West African Studies or something? Uh, no, the family's from, um, from Africa. From Ghana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, what, that was the joke I was yeah. making. That's all. Co- was Kofi all. was born here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, what's his father's name? Rappel Sarkody Mensa, I believe is his father's name. Yeah, Mensa, right in the name. He must be smart. Well, it's M E N S A H. I understand. I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, you know, Eagles pride here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Never thought a pro wrestler would come out of BC. <laughs> Thought the best we, could, best we could hold for was Romanowski. Scumbag. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, the Ultimate Warrior would do the very impressive press slam. Yeah. But that wasn't technically his finisher. His nope. finisher was the really lame bounce off the ropes and I jump on you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was lame. It, was, it still it was is the lame. 80s, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, the press slam. But the press slam was so impressive. You're like, wow, that's a good move right there. Yeah. If he just dropped you and then dropped into a pin, yeah. Nope. He got to do run back and forth and splash you. Well, Lame. the other thing is he would, he'd have to run back and splash you and then flip you over to pin you because you were on your stomach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. It, 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 I mean, again, this is like rookie mistake in an edit mode in Fire Pro. Yes. It's like, oh, crap, I can't use this move. He ends up on his on his, on his his stomach, not his back. I'll yeah. go to a submission. And not a pin, not a pin. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
Okay, uh, this I, I had this one. I, I, well, I, I had f- five. I'll, I'll give you. I give you a bonus one. The bonus one here would be Dave uh, Sullivan salad tosser. Uh, oh, Jesus, yeah, just really oh, God, bad. Salad tosser, really bad. Um, the I, only the one that always pops in my mind with the salad tosser was the giant and the yeti double bear I, hug. On I purposely left that one off because yeah. it was like one time the double butt fuck bear hug. You know, kind of yeah. thing. Uh, <laughs> salad tossing, fun at home, not in the ring. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, but that I don't know what it was even called. It was like the the it was Evad Sullivan whatever. It was the salad tosser. Um, okay, so how about the big chop or the brain chop from Kali? Kali yeah. had good finishers. His chop took six and a half years to get to you. Oh you, god! I felt so bad for him. Just, everyone says he's such a nice guy and he's so generous and everyone loves him. And that's great, but he's boring to watch. Okay, but his other finishers made sense. The chop oh, yeah, the, the, just took the, too the, long the, to get to you. <laughs> right. Well, the, the, yeah, the, the, the you know, but he had, the, I mean, he had the Kali bomb, yeah. which was the big choke bomb, which was which was great because a guy's tall, he could launch with the choke bomb. And then the vice grip was great mm-hmm. for, you know, because, I mean, he especially when, when they bladed up uh, 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 Rey Mysterio and he's all bleeding out under the mask from yeah. the... Uh, but yeah, I mean, Kali's kind of an acquired taste. I marked for the great Kali because, come on, yeah, that's like the most Luke guy ever. <laughs> I mean, this gigantic guy doesn't speak a word of English. You know, <laughs> gets on the mic and literally just didn't even. I mean, if he spoke in Hindu, I could at least understand where they were going with it. He literally just mumbled into the mic. He reminded me <laughs> of one... George Mirasan. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember the George giant Mirasan. seven foot seven, uh, yeah, he, horrible <laughs> basketball player he was. <laughs> Is that cabbage? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, this Great one makes job. the list because I always thought it was kind of stupid. I mean, it makes sense at the time, but how about the worm from Scotty Too Hottie? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. that's a really bad finisher. <laughs> if he does the worm and then chops you. Like, it's just the worm. If he, he went up from the worm and splashed you, but he just comes down and chops you. And it's yeah. like, <sighs> if he oh, did man. chop you, I guess I could get okay with it, but. Um, but that leads me to the worst, the absolute worst of all time. And there are two moves here because the same person did both of them, technically. This person might be the worst wrestler ever. Uh, how about the Sable Bomb and her and her TKO? They were atrocious. Oh, atrocious. Yes. Well, the Sable, Sable Bomb was only in the ring for two reasons. Yeah, yeah. but they put the friggin' belt on her. Be- okay, Vince well, Russo and Vince McMahon. She was cute. No, no, no. Vince Russo and Vince McMahon, Vince Russo or anything else, was obsessed with her. Wouldn't it be great to see her in a pair of white panties? That's all he, all his, everything. Her, imagine her in white pants. It's like, and as Jim Cornette, again, you got Jim Cornette's like, well, I kind of like my women in black leaf, but it's okay. Like, he, that was, <laughs> the, the problem was this, and this, and, and Cornette has said this, this is not me speaking out of school. The issue became this, is that, uh, Tammy Lynn, son, right, um, was what would, he, Jim Cornette refers to as an upfront cunt. Right? No. She was she was a bitch, but she you knew she was a bitch. She was a bitch in your face, and that's what she was. There was no there was no um hide it because that's who she was. And it wasn't that Tammy necessarily wanted to be like that. It's just okay, that's what she dealt with people. But again, you always knew exactly where you Tammy, right? Compare that to Sable, who did everything she could to bury people behind their back. All that aside, I mean I felt I mean Mark Merrow, his he got there, she was supposed to be with him, they were like, huh. Let's. She does all these moves to Marrow, and he does it because it's his wife, and he puts her over. And I mean, like, what? 
She couldn't do any of the moves. No. And remember, I get, we're in a time right now when the women's revolution has happened and we have great athletes, Charlotte Flair and Bailey and, uh, you know, Nia Jax and uh, Tamina and uh, Alexa Bliss, all these great women's wrestlers. We had Lita and we had um, Trish Stratus. Yep. And, uh, I mean, you know, Molly well, you had, Holly you had, was there. Molly Holly, you had, you had Miss Jackie was there. Yeah. And and so was uh, Luna Vachon was there for a while yeah. at that period, right? Uh, you know, there were there were legit lady wrestlers. Yeah. Ivory was there for crying Ivory, out loud, yeah. fucking Ivory. I mean, Ivory's one of my all time favorites, right? Uh, but but yeah, all the, all these people much better suited to this job than fucking Sable. Yeah, and then Sable's the one they couldn't, it, and it's because again Vince Russo got you know got his he 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 stepped in it, and people felt like wow you did a really good job. Well, you booked. A really easy time in wrestling when it was very hot with all the major stars, and you did the best you could try to make sure it died. So, well, it's true. Um, but again, Sable might be the worst wrestler of all time. Now, you're saying, Jay, haven't you seen those matches online where somebody's wrestling some job guy? I'm not talking about some job guy, right? I'm not talking about some job guy who maybe he's never wrestled, but he got in the ring and whatever. I'm talking about she was the main event level female on the roster she was making six figure seven figure contract what i mean she she couldn't throw any move convincingly and let's be honest she went out there for her t-shirt spots if that's all she was doing okay but who did the original t-shirt spots sunny and people used to go crazy when sunny went out for the t-shirt remember luke Right? Yeah. Sunny so go out there and they would go crazy because she'd get on the mic and she'd start talking, doing her thing. Sable goes out there like, Who wants a t shirt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, I, I can honestly say I've never seen Sable have to count her boobs like Missy Hyatt did. Um, and we were there when Miss, uh, uh, Kelly was with me. And we saw Missy Hyatt, who was, I'm assuming, inebriated in some way, shape, or form, um, counting her boobs all the way to the ring. One, two. One, two, right? That was a much more effective T-shirt spot than anything Sable ever did. <laughs> and, and I just want to put this out there. And I know Sable is now a mom um, of two probably very large children because she is Brock Lesnar's wife. Yes. Um, it is nothing. I'm, I'm sure she's very nice now. But she was a pain in the you-know-what back then and screwed over all the girls and screwed over everyone they could screw over to get as much money as she could do. Whatever. She's not the only one who did it. But she wasn't a very good wrestler. That's what it comes down to. Okay? Um, you know, I mean, it's just what it is. I'm sorry. But, like, you know, I mean, you can, you can think, like, well, you know, James Elworth is not a good wrestler. He's not. But he's not supposed to. He's be. not supposed to. Right. He's not supposed to. He's not your, he's not your James, women's. Yeah. James Elworth is more talented as Pinky than any of you guys got in your own body. Yes. Well, that's like, what do you call it? That's like Dave fucking Batista. Right? Dave. Uh, fucking Batista. Right? He's not a good wrestler. No. But he's not a good actor either. No, he's not a good actor. Just so you know. I understand that. But the thing about Batista was, when you put Batista in the ring, he looked like a wrestler. He looked good in the ring, right? He People cheered for him or they booed him, whatever they were supposed to be doing. And he could go out there with someone who could wrestle, John Cena or CM Punk or the Brian Danielson. Booker. Or Booker T, or, Booker or, T or yeah. and anybody who could actually wrestle, and he could have a good match. I cannot remember ever 
Sable going out there, even with the, with the amazing... T- I mean, if you can't have a good match with Ivory, you can't have a good match. You can't. Because Ivory had good matches with girls back in Glow. And yeah. they couldn't wrestle <laughs> save their lives. Right? If, and, 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 but just just to be fair, the girls in Glow, none of them, most of them had no business doing that yes. and didn't consider themselves wrestlers. Right, which is so why... It's, I'm not, not, it's yes. not like they were bad. They just didn't have any idea what they were doing. Yes, I agree. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is, but if, but if, 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 if Tina Ferrari, right, or Tina Ferrari, whatever she called Tina her, Ferrari. Right, if she could go out there and make those girls look like they knew what they were doing, then you know she can go in the ring and do this with Sable, but Sable, nothing, nothing. <laughs> And you know what's and, and and that's really the shame is because I think we took for granted um, at the time. I mean, you know, I mean, Trish Stratus was not a great wrestler when she first started. I will admit that she was very well. She didn't know the difference between a wrist lock and a wrist lock, according to Triple. Yeah, well, <laughs> but Trish Stratus worked at it. And the the <laughs> greatest raw moment ever. Yeah. What? <laughs> so and he when he just and he smacks the light. He goes to hit the lamp and he misses. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have put that in the opening. <laughs> 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 so if you think about it if you have really good ma- you know if you have some pretty good matches i think we got I mean, trish stratus got better as she went on to become you know oh, yeah. again trish some of trish's stuff always looked at i think some of the women their stuff kind of looked a little fake and like i don't say fake but kind of forced at times like trish's stratisfaction sometimes looked eh, but okay fine uh i mean lita was lita i mean miss congeniality back in the day you know we kind of knew her from there and from uh, being Papi Chulos, you know, yeah. uh, and and she when she was Miss Congeniality back in ECW. I mean, she could yep. do stuff, and she was trained. But you had enough talented female wrestlers there. Where it's a shame that, like, you know, that's what we got. But be as it may, I'm not here to bury everybody. But just uh, we were talking about finishers, and those finishers were atrocious. Um, <laughs> the only, and, and I'm surprised Luke didn't mention this. Um, this is probably the finisher that makes the most sense in wrestling. I want to say that. What's that? The big show's punch in the face. Oh, yeah, the knockout. It's brilliant. It's probably the most, makes the most sense. What did he do? He has a hand the size of your head, (laughs) so he punches you in the face. Well, but the thing that was always funny about that, they never mentioned this, because you remember when Big Show left, when the first time he left WWE, and he was gone for a couple of years? Well, what we never found out is that Big Show was basically, you know, owed so much money in back taxes and stuff, and was in such a bad financial position. That and he couldn't get any jobs wrestling because he was his weight had gone up so yeah. much and nobody and nobody except Vince would pay him and he was just on the outs with Vince was that he hooked up with this promoter and he was going to become a boxer and he actually trained to be a boxer and even though he was so out of shape it was all that training and everything that got him back into being in ring shape when he finally came back and that was when he started using the knockout punch. So that was always, I always thought that was, part of it was a rib on the whole idea of Big Show being a boxer. But he does it so well, and, and it's, and it, you know, every time he, I mean, I've got a great gift somewhere of him knocking out, I think it's him knocking out Jack Swagger, and then you just see Mark Henry's jaw just go, whoa! Because <laughs> <laughs> Mark Henry has some of the best facial expressions in the business, I think. That's about the only thing that, he's but... good for. Oh, no, no. You know, oh, then, then, then you have not seen... The uh, when Mark Henry the retirement, the fake retirement. Oh, okay. Well, Mark gonna... Henry's. Fa- I'll say Mark Henry's fake retirement. No, he can like bend things in I, half. I was saying, stuff. you ever seen him bend this... a frying pan for a real? He can take a frying no, pan. He can bend a frying he's pan. Done, 
he's done a bunch of like the actual like legit strongman like barbell lifts yeah, and yeah. stuff like the real hard ones to grip. Yeah. But no, his fake retirement when he was feuding with John Cena and he lost to Cena, and he came out on Monday night wearing like the salmon colored suit talking about how he was going to retire and Cena came out and everybody's cheering him and everybody's applauding because it's this, this guy that's, you know, worked in the WWE his whole career is retiring. And then he turns on Cena and leveled him and hit him with the world's strongest slam. Great stuff from Mark Henry. Yeah. But, or, or when, when Mark Henry's driving with Chris Jericho on the, uh, on the ride along. Yeah. And, and <laughs> at the end, the he goes, he crushes apple. And he basically <laughs> takes the apple in his hand and juices the apple, but not just juice the apple. He turns it basically into applesauce. In his, with his hand, one hand, like the man is insanely strong. He's just Did scary. You, he was great during the NBA playoffs this year. It was uh, who was it? it? Was Houston and San Antonio? I guess we're playing. Yeah. And he's from he's from Silsby, Texas, and so he comes out at the uh, at the Rockets game, and they've got a fake version of the Spurs mascot, and he laid him out with a steel chair, <laughs> just randomly during like during like a commercial break. It's, this is the greatest thing ever, but uh, it's really spice up the NBA playoffs. That's for sure. So. Well, you know, the, the, I was trying to think of moves that like don't make sense, even though I like Jay Lethal's lethal injection. Mm-hmm. You know, he does a cartwheel, like bounce off the ropes back into a cutter. It makes no sense. It doesn't. How does that help at all? Other than looking cool and Jay Lethal showing if he can do the handspring. I mean, I, I love Jay Lethal. I'm a big fan, but it's like, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what, one it, 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 do, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, um, it really but, doesn't. The uh, one one I uh, yeah, so that that was the one I, I didn't I didn't want to bury Jay Lethal because he's such a good worker, but that move needs to change. I'm just saying. When I when I saw him fight um, uh, Jay Briscoe in there, the um, it was the rematch because Lethal took the title off of Briscoe at Best in the World 2015, and he defended it for uh, I think the Briscoe was his 25th title defense. Mm-hmm. And he won it. See, he beat Briscoe with the with the J driver mm-hmm. to win the belt, and then and then hit the lethal, and, and then you know bid him with that. So actually, Jay uh, um, Jay Briscoe did the lethal injection, which was he, with Jay Briscoe. It looks even stranger, yeah, than seeing Briscoe do it. And then and it's like oh, and, and we were all and we all knew that it's like oh shit, he's gonna take the belt off him because he used the other move, but he did. And he come back and he beat him with the the thing again, but. Yeah, ah, not a good one. But no, Sable, yeah, Sable Bomb, no. Yeah. Just, no. Just, just saying, it just seems like there's, you know, but that, that's, 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 that is, hey, you yeah. know what? There, there, there were, uh, Chris, you put it out. She was there for two reasons and two reasons only, and they were out front and center, quite mm-hmm. literally. So, <laughs> like I said, she's now, a, she's now a mom of two very large children, I'm sure. Brock Lesnar's yeah. wife, she lives in the woods, you know, okay, it's fine. Um, okay, how about, how about, what do you call? I just want to throw this out there. Um, the F five, right? Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, like it, it does, and I've seen a lot of people get hurt with it. Um, but as the finisher is supposed to go, I don't know how much that hurt. I know people's bones with it, um, because yeah. of the way you land, right? And I know Cena did the FU as like kind of like the the joke <laughs> off of the F five, but yeah. the FU makes perfect sense too. Like I mean, like. We, it's funny. Well, it's a death. It's a Death Valley driver. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. What I'm it's saying it's a much safer version of the Death yes, Valley driver. Yeah, now. but Lesnar's move is. You know what it reminds me of? It's very J- Japanese. I don't, I don't want to say it yeah. like that, but it's it's very much like that's a pure it's a Wesa, Wesa move. Yeah, yeah I, I would expect that out of like you know Kentucky Sasaki or somewhere during a match or like you know whatever. 
Um, which is funny because when he wrestled in Japan, he didn't use the he used an F five, but he didn't have to use that. There, he really had to wrestle. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, over there, it's a real sport. Yeah. So one one <laughs> one that move we didn't mention. Uh, how about Kurt Angle's uh, uh, here's yeah, Olympic cool. Slam? Oh, no, it's Olympic cool. Slam. Yeah. The, the yeah. ankle lock makes sense because you know it's an ankle lock, but the Olympic Slam. I mean, you can get really hurt with that, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So, and that takes a lot of strength, and he's he's picked up big guys. I mean, he picked up the big show. I mean, that's always anyone who worked any amount of time in either WCW or WWF, WWE. It's like, well, did they do their move to the big show? You know, that always becomes a thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, Cena did an fu to the big show and Edge at yeah. one time. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like that dude is that strength. I mean, right Cena is Cena is different. That's the crazy part. Cena is different level strength. Then I mean, they're a strong guy. I mean, and, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, John Cena is not going to ever say that he can do what Mark Henry does. But John Cena, for a guy who has who has injured himself, you know, when he tore his shoulder up and he had surgery, walked out of the hospital and was at, at Raw that night. They're like, you need to be in rehab. He's like, guys, I'll go tomorrow. Right. <laughs> He's walking around. They're like, you shouldn't be able to walk like you so ever done anything else. I mean, he just he because he, he's got such work ethic and he's in great shape. I know he, he doesn't look like the biggest guy in the world. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's all cut up, he, but his strength is insane to pick up. And now I understand. Yes. The big show has to work with you to get you hit him up or whatever, but he had big show and edge up on his shoulders and then F you'd both of them. And the best part is edge trying to get out of the way of the yeah. big show coming up. Whoa! You know, <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I, we have a decent crop of modern finishers. I think a, there's too much reliance on the spear. Talking about Edge made me oh, think of that. Yeah, I mean, when you know when Goldberg did the spear, it looked like oh, it yeah. hurt. It still looks like it hurt when he did when he speared Lesnar through the barricade. Yeah. That was genuinely cool for this '90s wrestling fan. That was cool. I'll readily give that. Edge. He's so long that okay, some of his spears when he was he could get a head of steam behind it. He could look really good. Now I am not a Roman Reigns hater. I'm not a Roman Reigns supporter either. I don't have a problem with the Superman punch, but his spear. Yeah. It's like really you're going to do a spear when you know at the time Bill Goldberg still working in the company <laughs> and and you know stuff like that. It's like no, find something else. It's un, it's it's to call, fall back on a dude running and doing a spear. At, in, in 2016 and 2017, to me, is it's uncreative. It's it's it, it's it's it stinks of lowest common denominator mm -hmm. type of decision making. Because the Superman punch is a great move for him, right? Because it allows him to use it as a counter. He can use it on offense. He can use it, you know, out of, of a lot of different locations. But you know, the, the spear, it's like you know, okay, it's a spear. We've seen it a million times. Well, he also doesn't seen... doesn't throw it. His spear, like when Goldberg hits you with the spear, you're like, whoa! Like I mean. When let uh, when Goldberg hit you, and even when Edge, I mean Edge would come out. I mean Edge would just was just so Edge, fast. Edge was he was so fast right. he could get ahead of Steve. There's and it nothing like a million special bucks. about Roman yeah. Spear. You know, right. if, if he did something different, if he did whatever, what if he'd had something that made his spear unique? Okay, but there's nothing about it that's anything but generic. And, is, yeah. and isn't that Roman's biggest problem? <laughs> I think I honestly think more than anything he needs a makeover. Yeah, I mean I really oh. do. His look has not changed since yeah. the Shield. I agree. Other than that experiment with the with the contact lenses, which was pretty ill thought out. Yeah, but you know, but I mean a makeover, some new. I mean even if you don't give him new music, just give him a new look. Right. I mean he, everywhere you know, just something different. It's clearly, I mean, and or or if you're gonna do this tweener thing, commit to it. Right. 
Re- no, oh. I'm serious. I mean, they they say, oh, he's a tweener. He's like, he only fights heels. Yeah, right. I'm he's like, a tweener, kind of but, tweener but only, yeah, right. But you only he's put a him tweener, against... but you book him as a babyface. Right. Yeah. So and, I, don't, I mean, that you know. I mean, the other the other issue becomes too is is that they are obsessed that like cause again he's Samoan and we get that right. They they love the fact that he's Samoan because South Island boys. But when when you're talking about you know a, a Samoan named Joe in a main yeah. event. They want that Samoan to look like Roman Reigns. They don't want him to look like Joe. And I'm, that's the best, always the biggest problem. Samoa Joe, I mean, well, but Samoa Joe does not look like a million bucks until he starts wrestling. And you're like, whoa, that guy's really good. He looks like a kind of a big fat guy. And not, not, what did, what did, what did Dusty Rhodes say? I don't look like the athlete of the day. Yeah. My belly's a little big. <laughs> My butt's a little big. <laughs> the big. Yeah. Right? But I'm saying, but, but when you watch Samoa Joe wrestle, and I've seen him wrestle small guys, big guys, but he's so good, right, in, in, in what he can do. And the problem is, and, and I and I think, again, this is a, a bigger topic here, but we, we can remember a time when there's no way that that skinny kid in developmental, those tattoos, is ever going to be on my TV. Yet he, yet people still chant his name now, and he's been gone almost six years, right? There's no way that little sawed-off little uh, midget's going to be on here. He, he's, he's, a, he's not. He's a B plus at best. He'll, he's nothing but an internet sensation. The fans love Daniel Bryan still to this day. They don't fit the the the, the mold of what the guy should be. Roman Reigns has the height, the heritage, the, I mean, the physique. He is what Vince or whoever's making the decision, but it's ultimately Vince wants as his guy. And I just, I would think by this point, people kind of like, I mean, someone's got to be like Vince, you know, and I don't care if it's triple H or if it's Stephanie or if it's Shane or if it's somebody saying, yeah, what are you doing? Like, Let's give them these people what they want once in a while instead of trying to shove it down their throat. Because, you, as you said, get the chest protector off Roman Reigns. Get, yeah. Change up his look. Give him, give him like, like I mean, the problem is they gave it to the Usos. But give him basically like the gangster, like thug gimmick. Let him yeah. be that. What's it going to hurt? He he can't get booed anymore. He's getting booed. You know. Well, but so. it, but as I said, but if you're going to make him get booed and be a tweener. Have him fight other baby faces yeah. and say it's my if if your whole gimmick is that he's the new Undertaker and it's my yard and whoever and whoever anyone has to step up gets to step through him do that yeah but, but they're but they're afraid of that because they don't want kids to not cheer him yeah I know because the kids I mean wait when I went to I went to Raw a couple of uh, about about two a couple of months ago um, uh, here in in Greenville and the main event this was when this was uh, lead into I guess Extreme Rules when they had the five way. Mm-hmm. So the main event was Roman Reigns versus uh, Seth Rollins. And, I mean, I've had some hot crowds in my life. This crowd was nuclear for the people, I mean, for the, the young, for the kids and the women cheering for Roman, and then the guys cheering for Seth Rollins. I mean, this was a really hot building. I mean, I had no dog in this fight. You know, the Miz had already come on. I was, I was cool with that. You know, when Gallows and Anderson didn't show up. As an aside, the Miz's finisher is perfect and should never change. Skull Crushing Finale is the perfect finisher for a Weasley guy that's gonna sneak up behind you and throw your face into the mat. I mean, that's perfect, isn't it? I mean, really. 
<laughs> but anyway, the uh, but but as far as that, but it's like the and by the end of the match, the the Roman supporters were so loud, it, they they were drowning out the Roman sucks chant. You know, the let's go Roman, Roman sucks. They were so loud, even on the downside of their chant, that you couldn't hear the negative chant. So the guy has got fans. He moves merchandise. But you know what? And and I keep coming back to this. It's like give him a heel run. If you give him a heel run, a legitimate time as a heel, when he turns back to being a babyface, all those guys that are going to cheer him now that he's a heel, they're mostly going to stay with him. Right. Right. It, it worked. It it's worked time and time again. It, you want this guy to be the next Steve Austin? Steve Austin was a heel first. You want to be the next Rock? <laughs> yeah. Rock was a heel first. You want to be next John Cena? Cena had a heel run before he became a babyface. This is not rocket science, it's pro wrestling. I say this all the time, but that's only because it's true. It's like, come on, guys. It's yeah. like that they, they do that on the NBA segment. Come on, man, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I'm just saying, I mean, and again, I don't, you know, I don't want to bury Roman or whatever, but it just seems like, you know, they, they have guys they really want to push. And, I, and I'm not saying he doesn't have that, but if you let him have his, like you said, that time is a heel. The thing is that the fans want to like Joe. Like, they want Joe out there, and he doesn't fit their mold. But then again, he didn't fit the mold in ROH originally either. He didn't look like the other guys, but he got over there. He didn't, in TNA, he got over. He, I mean, he was the NWA, world, he was the NWA or TNA world champion and stuff. TNA world champion. He yeah. just works as the monster. And let's be honest, who's a real tweener? It's Samoa Joe. Right. He's he'll fight t- anybody. He'll fight anybody. And, and, right. and let's be honest, Brock Lesnar's a real tweener also because... Lesnar's not, you know, uh, I mean, he's not, you know, he's just there to beat everybody up. But that's that's the crazy part about it. But that's another story for another day. So, um, is there any other ones? I mean, I, I wanted to make I, I, made, I wanted to make sure I mentioned the big show with the punch because I was like, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Not since not since the the Gotch uh, Hackenschmidt matches <laughs> have we seen a move. Right. Revolutionize the professional wrestling industry. <laughs> I'll, I'll just throw it out there. I liked I liked Santino Morella doing his version of the claw. Uh, it's funny. It is. It, it's funny, but I find I mean I find Santino Jonathan the Chenna. Uh, you know I find Santino funny, but the the problem was again it's a joke gimmick, so you can be okay with it. Thankfully, they never tried to push that to main event level. No. Could you imagine that in the main event? And, and, and we, this was you know beginning of this podcast we mentioned this. In, in Japan, the comedy is the beginning of the show to kind of get you hot, right? It's not mixed into the main event. The problem is sometimes the bees like, hey, that's pretty funny in the first segment. Let's move it to the end. No, we don't need to see Santino Morell out there with the Cobra Strike, you know, kind of thing. Um, I mean, although I was rooting for him to win the, the Royal Rumble the that, year. We that, had that one where he got dumped out and he came in at the end. It's like, if Santino wins this, this yeah. place is going bananas. Well, they were going bananas, <laughs> and then what happened is uh, it, you know, Alberto Del Rio comes in and just dumps him. Because it looked like he was winning, and the place was coming unglued. And I'm at, I'm actually, it's funny that we're at Franco's house watching this. And Franco's like, yes, he won. Oh, my God. No, there he goes. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> he's like, oh, man, that have been so good. And I'm like, isn't that? The thing of it, it's not that it was like, because well, like, you just you have a guy who works really, really hard. But let's be honest, no one at that point thought Santino Morel was like going to win this thing <laughs> and then going to go to WrestleMania. I am at you at the WrestleMania. So, you know, <laughs> anyway. 
I went all the way up to Jack Tunney, and it turns out he's actually been dead for several years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So, all right. Well, well, let me let me put the call out to the listenership. What are your favorite finishing moves of all times? What moves? What great moves did we patently and absolutely forget on this podcast? What do, what are your favorites? What gets your blood thumping? What is your favorite one hit killer? as it were, uh, to see a match end with. And like I said, send us email at uh, uh, getbacktotherestling at yahoo.com. And uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook. Just search for get the group Get Back to the Wrestling, also in the Two True Freaks uh, podcast network and the Two True Freaks Cantina group. And if you would like to buy DVDs of wrestling matches... On DVD. It's a revolutionary concept. They put whole <laughs> cards on DVD. Sometimes even multiple matches from the same guy on one set. Just go to twotruefreaks.com, click on the Amazon.com link. That'll take you directly to Amazon.com. And anything you buy in that session at Amazon, a little bit of that will get kicked back here to Two True Freaks and help keep the lights on so we don't go dark and our matches don't become unsanctioned. Yeah. Uh, here and at un- back and unwatchable. Unwatchable, yeah. unsanctioned, and the lighting on the poster is better than the lighting on the pay-per-view. <laughs> heat wave. Oh, uh, still so heat wave. The pay-per-view was great. The lighting was crap. Great, great, great pay-per-view. Couldn't see a damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing how they shot a pay-per-view on VHS. I don't know how that works. But uh, so, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, Chris and Jay. Uh, I know I really had to twist you guys' arm to come on here and talk wrestling for several hours. Oh, but, uh, um, so, like I said, please, everybody, go ahead. Send us, uh, keep those cards and letters coming. Send us feedback. Uh, what are we going to talk about next time? In the immortal words of Sting, I said this last time, the only thing's for sure is that nothing's for sure. So you'll have to tune in and see what kind of strange shotgun booking experiment we'll have for the next episode. It won't be as bad as the Brawl for All. Oh, Nothing is as bad as the Brawl for All. Bad idea. Everything you're watching tonight is fake, but this part's real. The only thing worse in the Brawl for All was the blow-off of the Brawl for All where Butterbean knocked Bart Gun on his ass. Yeah. I'm just saying. No, don't you walk away from me, Daniel. Don't you walk away. I'm the one that loves the fans. I'm the one that loves everyone and everything. You're the one that gets up and walks away every single time. You're the coward. Will you stop?